Check mate. We're live. We're live in the studio. This is here with Jake. Sam Johnson Studio. Nice to nice to nice to finally meet you in person. We've uh we were pen pals for thirty years or so. Mm-hmm. I know I don't look like I'm 40, but I'm 40. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was down in Chile, and we wrote. Um, that's not true. None of that's no, true. No, not even close. <laughs> I thought tell, we <laughs> tell him the real story of how we met and how we ended up here. Okay, so I can do that. Usually, I ask somebody. I ask. I ask you to tell it. Oh, but then, bad. well, no, 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 no. But I for the longest time, I would ask them, and I'd be like, "Hey, you know, like, what share the story?" But then it was like weird, because like, you know, like, tell the cameras how we met, right? And it was just like, uh, like, especially when they didn't know what they were getting into, which is like nobody who sits down and talks with me. But um, we'll we'll kind of we'll 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 go back and forth here. Basically, I went to a church called Redeemer, right, in Kansas City. Um, and I brought my camera often because I was a photographer, or I still am a photographer. And <clears throat> um, tried to score some business, you know. So, in fact, I didn't actually bring it. No, I didn't. That's that's, that's no, I didn't bring car. it. It was in my car. And mm-hmm. and so I, there's two levels to this church, three levels actually. And so they were up on the second. Jake was there with his family, and the son was coming in, and they were there with their newborn. And I was like, um, the sun was, it was, it was a late service. So it had been like five o'clock. Right. And it was like, the service was going on and we had to leave the service because Owen, my son, was just pitching a fit. Yeah. And we're like, all right, we got to get the heck out of here. So we were sitting in the lobby in Uh one of those little, little whatever sofas. Oh yeah. You're modern. Okay. So this is also like, it's not like a Catholic church. This is like modern, uh, uh, Protestant, like this this couch looked like it was right it, it was it looked legit. like a set <laughs> yeah it did it, it really did there's a uh, it's funny there's a uh, communications company in town called fervor really cool communications company and they shoot a lot of their promo videos in that lobby really yeah at redeemer do they pay do they they get no idea is there no yeah idea. what's the monetization on that yeah and, and we, we won't get into that but well we got it for free that day yeah you did hey when you're talking to it you got to do the it's about a hand's distance is like too far got it this is where i want to be this is the sweet yeah spot. like that right there right Perfect. there it yeah i've seen joe rogan correct people hey got it like even even like even even who was it uh i don't know he's got some pretty famous people were like but like joe rogan tells you to get closer to the mic you get right. closer to the mic that's right so anyway so this is it yeah cool so if i need a cough i can just go <laughs> and then pull it back in like a pro. No, if you need a cough because you had the flu last week, <laughs> you need to just leave, <laughs> get out. <laughs> I'm joking. So anyway, so I so I I saw this this opportunity for this picture, and and so I I told them I didn't even think I even said it to you. I think I just like went out and got my camera out of my car. No, you said <clears throat> I remember you came over and you're like, hey man, like the, this light is perfect, mm-hmm. like it looks awesome. I'm a photographer. I'm gonna get my camera and I'm gonna take your picture. You didn't ask. You just said <laughs> I'm I'm gonna get my camera. I'm gonna take your picture. And I turned to my wife. I'm like, all right, cool. And so you know, you disappeared for 30 seconds. Came running back up. You're like, all right, got it, got it. Let's do it. And so, uh, so we just sat there, and it was super natural. I mean, one of the best pictures 
of my family of all time. Yeah. Was that one. So much so that that um that uh that he remembered me. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> like That's five right. years down the road when I accidentally called him. Yeah. Um accidentally called because I was trying to call someone else named Jake. <laughs> right. Jake B. And there's like two Jake B's in my phone. And sure enough I land on you. Yep. <laughs> and uh and then I was like any see I Anytime I call somebody I don't mean to call, I spark up a conversation. How have you been? Right. Like there's no there's there's got to be a reason why I, I called you on accident. Right. Well, and you if, are, are you in my phone. Okay. So you're in my phone. So you know my phone rings and I'm like, who is Sam Johnson? Like <laughs> I have no idea who this is. I'm like they're in my phone. Clearly I know them. Mm-hmm. So let's pick up. Let's see who it is. And yeah. so I was already in the mindset of I'm about to have a conversation with someone that I I've I met at some point mm-hmm. and they're calling for a reason. So I was already like, we're about to have a conversation. Sure. And then, and you clearly are like, well, hey, yeah, wrong guy, wrong I, guy. I, but <laughs> how are you? What's going on? Do you do that? You ever, you ever get like a, a even people that like got the wrong number. I'll start, I'll start, I'll start a conversation with them. I'm usually very um, blunt. Like why the hell are you calling me? Right. Kind of blind, right. <laughs> but they find that funny. That's also put in a little bit of country accent right there. You know, like, right. who are you looking for? That's right, Lou. This ain't Lou. Right. Who the hell's Lou? Who's this? And they'll tell me their name. Oh, how you doing? Yeah, yeah. But uh, okay, maybe that only happened one time. But to say the least, anytime I call somebody, I start the conversation. How have you been? So then mm-hmm. you told me you're like, oh yeah, the family grew yeah Yeah. i mean i think we were maybe so my new son had just been born within like a couple of weeks i don't even know if he was two weeks old yet and you called yeah and so and and that's you know so five years later yeah my my one-year-old when you took our picture is now five Mm -hmm. and we've got now a newborn in the family as well it was five years i kind of you know after you turn 28 you start to just like ah, five years, 10 years, 15 yep. years, whatever. Yep. So, so, <clears throat> so then I called and, and so then we got to talking about like church and, and how we, uh, uh, we kind of left a church <clears throat> and, uh, went to the same church, mm-hmm. uh, except it was like misaligned. Like I went for six months before right. you joined. And then I also went for like six months after you joined, right. maybe it was five. I don't know. We just pass each other. Yeah. Picture, and then you're like, "Here, check it out. Oh, that's awesome. Give me your number. Give I'll, me your I'll number. I'll send it, it to you. you. Yeah. You texted it to me, and uh, and that was it. You know, I got one text from you. Yeah. Saying, "Here's the pics," and then I sent you one back saying, "Man, this is awesome. Thanks so much." And that was it. Yeah. And then five years <laughs> later, you know, after we got done with our 45 minute out of the blue random phone call. Yeah. I look at my texts, and I'm like, "Do you still have that text message?" I, I'm sure I do. Well, it, it's 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 loaded up now because like we've gotten oh, in contact. That's right. That's right. I was that's I was right. I went for my phone. I was like, I wonder. Like, no, nah, it's buried in there. now. It's buried, but yeah. but it's still it's still there. I'm gonna keep all my text messages kind of guy. I think that's who is who is that I met too. Like, I got text back from like 2010. 2010, man. Like conversations. Yeah, that's it's also now. to cover my bases, but it's <laughs> another story for another time. <laughs> but um. Yeah, it was pretty interesting. And then, um, yeah. Then I go to the church. I guess this is where you should fill in on your portion of the story because there was like this uh, uh, 
coincidence if you don't believe in God, a yeah. miracle if you do believe in God yeah. that occurred. Yeah, so we had that one conversation. It was about 45 minutes, right? You, out of the blue, you call me up, and it was, hey, Jake, yeah, this is the wrong Jake. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> who's this? And then you're like, this is Sam. Oh, I remember. You know, I took your picture back in the day. And I was like, yes, I remember who you are. And uh, and 45 minutes later, we've talked about all kinds of stuff. Oh, yeah. We got super deep, like right off the bat. And it felt natural. It didn't feel forced at all. You know, it just felt like a good conversation. Yeah. And then we hung up and that was it. Like um, you sent me a couple links to your podcast that we had, you know, chatted about and nothing. Uh, you know, we did the pleasantries like, yeah, we'll catch up sometime. You know, I'll see you at church or yeah. we'll grab coffee or whatever. Yeah. And then we didn't. And over a month goes by and I'm at uh, church, uh, my new church for a leadership meeting of some sort and uh and the pastor's like hey i want you guys to think about somebody who's in your life that you want to invite to church and uh, and just pray for him pray for him and and pray about inviting them to church within the next month and i was like you know what that was a really great conversation that i had with sam and i thought about you a lot since then and i don't know why i didn't text or call but i thought about that conversation a lot it's a dude thing it is. It totally is. It totally is. And so, you know, uh, and I wanted to connect, but I just hadn't. And, you know, life was nuts. We had a newborn and it's Christmas time and all that stuff. But it was anyway, crazy. It was. It was a, a I mean, I can't on. really attest to that because I don't have kids, but I can I can imagine. Yeah. Christmas with Through my sister's having babies. My my sister had had two two uh, twins and then my other sister had a baby, too. So. I knew, I knew a little, like... Uh, twins, man. That's got to be... That's hardcore. Good for her. <laughs> yeah. Good for her. That's she's, legit. She's rocking it. Yeah. She's doing it. That's shout out. Shout serious, out to Allie. Serious parenting. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, so, so yeah. So, I, I prayed for you, and I was like... And, and I, I didn't feel like I need to invite you to church. This was a church that you had attended a bunch of times already. You sure. Know? And um, I told you too over the right. phone. I was like, I already knew that. I was gonna. I'm going to. I'm gonna go. To, I'm gonna go to the church. Right. Okay. Like, right. So th- that connection had already been made. Th- yeah. Thanks. 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 It couldn't. I couldn't make it for right. the next five, six months. Right. Another story for another time. Right. <laughs> but I did. I remember telling you like, as soon as I'm able, I will. Yeah. And so, so, and I didn't know when that timeline was at all. Yeah. Um. But I get home and I don't know. Some time passes. I check my phone before I go to bed, and I've got a text from you saying, hey, man, are you going to church tomorrow? The first point of contact. So we've had now three points of contact, right? <laughs> yeah. So one, five years ago when you take a picture. The next one is a random wrong number that call that turns into a 45-minute conversation. And then nothing until this text that says, hey, man, going to church tomorrow. Will you be there? And I was like, dang, that was fast. You know, like I just prayed for Sam was like, ah, he's on my heart. You know, I, I, I hope that we can connect at church sometime. And then two hours later, I got this text from you saying, you know, will you be at church? And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And so you showed up. We hung out, went rock climbing a couple of times. That wait, week. Whoa, whoa, wait, so this is the craziest part. This is I. So for the listeners and viewers, I've been rock climbing hardcore. Right, like right oh yeah so yeah yeah all right like this just got like yeah. i'd never found a sport other than like i mean i loved swimming 
and I think swimming and um, rock climbing are very similar in as far as progression and just um, strength. I mean, it's it's a long it's a lot of uh, elongated muscle and mm. tendons mm. and. Uh, I don't yeah. know how much tendons are, are in swimming, but it's just very stretched muscles. Right. You don't have to be the biggest guy right. to hop in a pool and swim a 50 in under 20 seconds. Yeah. Just like you don't have to be the biggest guy to go and climb um, a V7. Right. V8. V10. Yeah. Alec, that Andre dude. Yeah. <sighs> he's yeah. And he's like a pole. Anyway. Getting aside. Yeah. He side. looks emaciated, but he's one of the strongest human beings. He looked like he could have been Earth. like Adam Andra, right? A Holocaust survivor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's just, he's, he's, he doesn't have a ton of muscle mass or definition. And yet he's one of the best. He is. He's the like best. I think crushing grip strength. Yes. Could, could just crush your skull. His, you know? his fingers look like, like two of my fingers are one of his, yeah. like, yeah. So anyway, I'm getting sidetracked here. So I just joined this gym and like I'm like I'm gonna go every day. Turns out you can only really go like three or four days and then it's like you gotta rest. But yeah. so I went and it was good. It's like I'm gonna go back the next day. So that next day, um, before I went, I ran into um, a buddy of my uh, my cousin. And uh, I said, he said that he was going to ROKC. And then I was like, I'm going to go. We should go together. Like, yeah, totally. So then we go. So then that next day, I think I went back and I saw another buddy of mine who was working out there. I'm like, dude, this is crazy. So then the third day, then I contact another guy that I had spoke to in like two years. Buddy I'd been with, friends with for like 15. Mm Mm-hmm one of those guys that we kind of just whatever and then hey you rock climb michael rock climb so i hit him up and then we go so then it comes to sunday and then i walk into the church and i see you and i meet you and like what's up how you been oh the kids grown right it's <laughs> the last right. time i saw you right. and there's one new one and so but then i remember looking at you and being like uh he's like we got to get together we got to do something we got to do something and i'm like yeah sure let's do it uh you rock climb right Right, <laughs> just <laughs> like matter of fact, you rock climb, right? You go to, and then I, and he was like, you're like, yeah. And then I go like, you go to ROKC. He goes, yeah. How'd you know? Yeah. <laughs> how how did you know? I'm just like, man, it's just been like a crazy, just because just things kind of worked out in a way that. So, with all of that said, who is your god? Who is my god? Who is your god? Wow, segue. That was like a like a punch to the gut. Uh, my god. Yes. Is is the God of the Bible. Okay. Um, who is a, who, who eternally exists as three persons. Yes. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Okay. Um, yeah, so that's my God. Okay. So the Godhead. Yes. The or the Godhead. Trinity. The Godhead, the Trinity. I mean, yeah, God. Okay. He's God. Yeah. I got you on the spot now, because the Godhead is actually the, the Mormon's view of the Trinity, but I don't really know about any of that. Just kidding. Talked to a Mormon this morning. Check it out. Sunday morning live. Oh, nice. Yeah, we had it at the same spot right here at Very cool. 7.30. And, uh, okay. So how did you, how did you, um, like, how, how is that 
affected you affected your life negatively <laughs> oh man how has my faith yes affected my life negatively well i mean overwhelmingly it hasn't right overwhelmingly it's been positive but there's negative in in everything and for sure being a christian has not been an easy road all yeah. the time all right so so i didn't grow up in in the united states i grew up in the uk so i was born in st louis and my dad was a businessman he owned a chain of car dealerships and you've told me this three times by the way that you grew up in the uk i ha have i no 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 but 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 in every time i'm like you, wait what did you have I, have I ever told you like how we got there and what that was uh little but no not really but All it right. was just like I don't know, every time, like, there's been three times I remember, and it's just, it's weird that, like, I wouldn't, because I think it's the accent thing that, like, yeah, because yeah, it immediately goes to, you're speaking in English. Right, right. American accent. That's right. <laughs> so then I forget. That's right. <laughs> anyway. I've, I've noticed that when people discover that I lived in the UK, and it, was, it wasn't for a short period of time, it was, like, for 15, 16 years. My yeah. whole childhood was spent in the UK. Um, and, uh, and they're always like, well, what happened to the accent? I'm like, well, you know, I kind of shed it pretty quickly when I moved back to the States. And part of that, I think was just subconsciously, I just want to fit in like as quickly as possible. And I Integrate stood out into yeah, the exactly. culture. Didn't want to stand out. It was such a culture shock moving from, I lived in Wales and then I moved to Miami, Florida. <laughs> so, I mean, like drastic culture shock. So can you, can you still do the accent to, to this day though? No, I mean, like, you can't do, no. You can't. I, so if I was in Britain, Yep. It would start to come back it for sure, yeah, for okay. sure. But like I've tried to put it on and it's just part of my body just rejects, rejects it. Yeah. It's like, no, nope. it's just a little piece. You know, I, I did it for quite a while. And the thing is, is that I did the Irish accent and I've, it seems like every time I go and do the um, English accent, I end up going back to the Irish yeah. accent. <laughs> I think it's the red hair in my beard. That's and and uh, just, I've always wanted to live inside. I guess you can't live inside Ireland, but anyway. You grew up at the UK. Yeah. I United Kingdom. UK. Yep. So, Wales, specifically. Uh, yeah, so the first couple of years we were in England, kind of northern England in a town called um, Bradford, which is kind of near York, old Viking sort of town. Um, and then we moved to Wales. What was the oldest building in that town? I mean, was uh, it like... no idea. I mean, thousands of years old. Gosh. Um, I mean, and there, you know, every town in the UK pretty much... Uh, you know, is built around some castle or fort. Yeah. Because that's how that's how the towns came to be. Right. Some knight was was gifted land by the uh, by the king, and told you know your job is to tame the land and populate it and keep the people at peace. Yeah. And so the knight had all of their sort of people, the knights, the lords, the you know there's a whole hierarchy, and so sure. everybody got land. Everybody had their own fort, their own castle, their own whatever it would be varying degrees of bigness and and grandeur depending on your status uh, but that was your job your job was to keep the peace in your region yeah and so you know the knight would build their castle and then around it people would come to trade their goods and set up their shops and whatever and so that's how the towns all came to be so in most of the uh, cities and towns in wales i'm sorry in the uk there's some fort usually in downtown like right in the middle of downtown <laughs> like walls and everything or yeah like, like so we lived in bradford for 
uh, a few years. I was really young when we lived in Bradford, so I don't remember a ton. But then we moved to Cardiff in Wales, yeah. which is a big city um, by Welsh standards. And it's the capital city of Wales. And uh, the, the city centre is built around this fully restored castle. Gigantic okay. castle. Beautifully restored with a drawbridge and a moat and, I mean, everything. And it's in the middle of town. You just see it everywhere and after a while it's just second nature you know as you either tourists that come and check oh yeah it out. oh yeah it's all a the tourist time. attraction big time and make big some time. money off that and and if you're you know if you're a uh, if you're a welsh kid you know part of your sort of rite of passage you've got to go on a school trip or something okay, to the yeah. castle and do the whole tour it's kind of like the nelson and atkins museum here in kansas yeah, city exactly gotcha exactly. so uh so yeah so anyway that's you know everything's ancient and and so i so you know, we were, were originally from a small town outside of St. Louis. My dad owned some businesses, sold them to a rival business owner um, from a, another small town who literally took him out for a beer and said, I'm going to make you an offer for everything you own and just wrote a number on a bar napkin and slid it across the table. And my dad was like, done. And they shook hands and that was it. And, and that li- literally. No negotiating? Just no negotiating. Like, we're done. That sounds great. Small time, you know, business guys. What do you sell? Like vacuums? Uh, he, no, my dad sold cars. Oh, he cars. A, car yeah, lots. He, okay. He's, uh, he owned a, 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 a Chrysler and Plymouth dealership. He owned another, like, uh, heavy-duty truck thing. And he owned a grocery store and a gas station. Just kind of a smattering of different things. Really? Yeah. And, yeah. And, and so my grandfather... Where's your Where's your Walmart? And your, where's and your car Where's lot, my inheritance? Your, oh, your Tesla oh. dealership. Oh, oh. It's no, I'm talking about not inheritance. I'm saying like, what? Where, where, where are you at, buddy? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. You yeah. should be not that entrepreneur close. boots, right? That's there, right. Just not even close. Owning not everything. Close. You deal with stocks, though, right? I did. I did for a while. Yeah. We'll not have to so talk about anymore. that sometime. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. That was, that was my job. One of my first jobs was as a stockbroker. <laughs> no way. Yeah, in Miami. I worked with a sketchy, sketchy company. Penny stocks? No, but it was I mean, like it was brutal. It Wolf was, of Wall Street type deal? Yeah. I mean, this this place was birthed out of that era. <laughs> so it wasn't that bad. Cause, but they'd know, have parties. They, yeah, I mean, and that wasn't where it got. Well, it was, there was a, anyway, they got shut down by the SEC, basically, <sighs> right before, uh, right after I left. And uh, they were being investigated um Oh man, this is a bit of a tangent. <laughs> We've jumped ahead in the story. Now we're in Miami. I'm 19, right? Yeah. I'm 19. I'm studying to be a stockbroker. I get my stockbroker license at the age of 19. I'm, <laughs> I'm one of the youngest stockbrokers, maybe the youngest stockbroker in the state. You still Florida. got the accent though, right? Because uh, you yeah, can get into yeah, places. Probably. You can get in. You can get into some places just by having a little bit of yeah. It, English it took about a year to to for the accent to fully disappear. And Isn't that weird though? For some reason, you just when people speak in a in, a, in a, an English accent, you figure that they're ten percent smarter. Just, yeah, just absolutely. You just give them your wallet. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they can they can walk. Like, I'm up. here to sell you an investment. Oh, here you go. You're trustworthy. Here's my social. <laughs> there you go. What what are we? What am I buying? Which is yeah. crazy because the, the the scammers are always, um, at least what I've seen on YouTube, are Indian, the voices. Yeah, you you would think that they would just learn how to speak in an English accent and get all the money in the world. You hear about that $8 billion scam 
No. Which, okay. Which one? I don't know. It's just I'm just I'm just saying that to justify that the Indians know what they're doing whenever they they scam. Eight. I think it was eight million or eighty million. Eight, it was it was something oh, to do with a jet and. Oh jeez. Continue on. I'll listen, and I I need to. I need to I need to justify my. <laughs> no, I don't. Go ahead. <laughs> what am I thinking? All right, so where are we've got like three different stories going now. So you went from so so you were in Britain, and right? So, right, there. so we're in Britain. Uh, all right, my dad sells the business. Yes, we all moved to the UK. Why did we move to the UK? Because uh, a buddy of my dad's, eh, pretty much, was that he met in Bible school. Um, was in the UK planting churches. He's a British guy. Was yeah. in the UK planting churches and launching a Christian publishing company. And he approached my dad and said, you know, hey, I heard that you just sold a family business. You know, um, why don't you move over here for a couple of years, help me get this publishing company off the ground, help me launch a church. So my dad says, sure. So the plan is to move over there for two years. So we get there, uh, you know, Northern England, we're there for two years. And then my dad finds another business in Wales that he can buy into. And it was a small packaging company. So they would take cheese and other kind of dairy products, package okay. it, and then ship it to the, to the, you know, the grocery store. So he buys into that company, and we all move to Wales. And, uh, and so, you know, I, I live in a Christian home and a Christian family. And um, my faith isn't really challenged until I get to high school. Mm -hmm. And one of my first, and so, you know, the UK is overtly Catholic, atheist. right? No, very atheist. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It's at this point today, it's something like 60% atheist. I mean, it's over 50% atheist. It's, it's, uh, it's legit atheist or agnostic. And so, um, and there's not a huge amount of tolerance for people who, who believe in, in God. And so I remember, here we go. What do you got? Uh, 2004 survey by the BBC in 10 countries showed the proportion of the population who don't believe in God varying between 0%. Nigeria. That's not true. There's a bunch of Christians in Nigeria. <laughs> and 39% in the UK with an average close to 17% in the countries surveyed. However, 8% of the respondents specifically stated that they consider themselves atheists. All right. Sorry, this, is, this is Wikipedia, and it's saying demographics of atheism. I'm with you on that. that <laughs> there's not very many believers in Yeah, not a ton of believers. Europe, in and it's declining. Yeah, and in the UK for sure. And so... Um, so they uh, comment below. <laughs> comment below. That's right. That's right. Give, give us, give us a little. But yeah. So m on one of my first days of high school, uh, I went to a big high school. So th there's no middle school in the UK. You just go from elementary school to high school or primary school to secondary school, right? Yeah. And so um, you're young. You're like 12 years old. Mm -hmm. Walking into high school with kids who are, you know, 16, 17 years old. And um, uh, and I remember out of this school of, I don't know, 1,000, 2,000 kids, there wasn't that many Christians. So there was maybe a couple dozen. There was no FCA. No, no, no. No FCA, <laughs> no Christian radio, you know, 
none of no Christian publications, nothing like that. The Christian subculture barely existed. Well, there was uh, a mere Christianity guy. C.S. Lewis, <laughs> right, right, who had died like, you know, 30 years before I got there. Yeah. But nevertheless, yes. Um, and so I remember on one of my first days in high school, of high school, uh, seeing a, a guy I knew was a Christian just getting his ass beat. Yeah. Because he was a Christian, right? And these bullies were just, just beating him down. And I, so I was terrified because I was a, you know, young kid going to high school. Um, and, and right at that moment, maybe not consciously, but subconsciously at that moment, I knew that I had to just hide my faith and, and shut up about it and just act like you, you don't believe. And, uh, and so, you know, that's a long winded answer to your question. The negative, that was the first real negative uh, you know, thing that I experienced with being a Christian and having faith. And it didn't even happen to me. It happened to somebody else. It was um, kind of like being gay in the 90s. I, I mean, <laughs> you know, kind of. Yeah. You know? Uh, um, and so I, I made a decision that I was going to hide my faith. I wasn't going to be outspoken about it. And, uh, and that ultimately, over the next few years, led me very far away from Christianity, very far away from God. Yeah. And I lived a totally secular life, um, you know, the total opposite of everyone else in my family uh, until, well, until really my, my early mid-20s when um, I really reclaimed my faith or God reclaimed my faith uh, and it became real. And, and Florida? In Florida, in Miami, of all places. Yeah, and like right. the this would be the this would be nineties, wouldn't it? This w I moved to um, Miami just before uh, two thousand. I was nineteen. How old are you now, though? Thirty nine. Thirty nine. Yeah. So it'd be twenty years ago. So yeah. nineteen ninety nine, baby. Nineteen ninety nine. That's right. About that time. Yeah. And uh, so I moved to um, There's a lot of cocaine in Florida at that time. I mean, there probably still is. There probably still is. You know? uh, yeah, I remember I, I worked with the guy at this stockbroker company. He's a hilarious guy, and he made this joke about, like, every time that a hurricane rolls through, he lived right on the water. So every time a hurricane rolls through, he just, like, waits out there for a package of cocaine to float by, and he snatches it and then sells it on the street. And <laughs> that's how he manages to live on the water. <laughs> that's kind of funny. But uh, anyway, so yeah, moved to Miami in '99. Because that's where they came in. They they shipped it to yeah yeah Florida. yeah. Oh, they boat it. They boat it in. A yeah. lot of it. A lot of it. I mean, I don't know. I mean, uh, there was this one story. This is hilarious. Of um, and you can Google it. I, I can't remember the name of the of the guys, but there was this Russian. Uh, oh yeah, group, I know what you're talking about. And they owned. I think it was called like the Pink Pussycat Lounge or something like that. It was a strip club, and they used that as a front to launder all a lot of cash and, and other stuff but somehow or other they got their hands on like a russian u-boat mm -hmm. like this this submarine yeah and they would submarine their drugs up the miami river which goes right through the middle of downtown <laughs> uh for miles and what's funky about it is um um you know they would just sneak under all of the police uh boats and then they'd pop up at the 
you know, one of their homes or, or something that was on this, this river, offload all their stuff, and then they, they get out. And um, this is during like the Vice era, the Miami Vice era, where they're really cracking down on all the, the you know, drug trafficking or whatever. And this one crime family always has supply, and the cops are like, how on earth are they getting by us? Like, we've locked down everything. And they finally realized that they had this submarine, and they were submarining their drugs right up the Miami, literally going underneath the police boats, and then popping up on the other side and offloading their stuff. Oh, my gosh. Okay, it's I didn't wild, hear man. about that, it's but wild. I know that they're, they're a buddy, uh, not a buddy, uh, a vlog that I watch, he pulled up next to somebody, and they were videotaping, and uh, he said, look me up, look me up. He apparently was, like, one of the biggest drug smugglers or something, and but he's still, you know, and he's out <laughs> in Florida. Yeah, yeah. yeah Florida's yeah. Florida's where the where the old go to die and the crooks to finish off their lives. Hey, man, it's a good place to retire, regardless of what you've done in your past. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good place to retire. I should go there and just, you know, set up this right that just and open up just a, you got a story come in. Right. What's your story? Wouldn't yeah. that be cool? That'd be actually interesting. It's You'd just meet some cool people for sure. Just op- having having like a come on in, you know, let's talk. Right. You know, I'm I'm worried that there'd just be like a bunch of homeless people who'd be coming in. But still, there'd be some crazy stories with that. Yeah, yeah, there would be. Yeah, there would be. I think. Yeah. So anyway, you were in Miami, Florida, and yeah so i moved to miami when i was 19 and uh which beats out the atheist percentages probably in florida i mean miami yeah there's a lot of church i mean there's a big catholic presence in miami there's a huge you know cuban Cuban, and right population so there's a lot of of catholicism Mm -hmm. but protestant churches it's it's a pretty unchurched area sure um and I remember at one I, point, I get a like buddy who lives down stats. there. I can't say that there's no churches, right? I mean, and there's some some really great ones. Yeah, um, some really great ones. But I remember looking at the stats at some point, um, and and I don't know how they rank this, but of the un, most unchurched counties in the country, Miami Dade was like top three, something yeah. like that, which wasn't surprising, right? Um, so yeah, so I moved to Miami, and at this point, you know. My life in the UK, I just partied hard and lived like a, a you know, regular kind of kid in the UK. I wasn't, I was a nice guy. I wasn't mean to anyone. I had a lot of friends. You're morally right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I treated people well. Religiously leaned. dead, right? I dead? Mean, well, well, no, no. Did I can't you read your, that. did you, like, it, can you remember a time where you just didn't ever read the Bible? Yeah. That whole, my whole teenage life. Yeah. That was pretty much it. And I was leaving, uh, leading these two lives, right? I had the life where I was, I was, so I was kind of, I felt, and this was entirely me, because I had great parents, really great parents, mm-hmm. um, and a great family. But I felt like I was wedged into this family of almost perfect people, and I was the screw up, right? Black so, sheep. Yeah, totally. Um, so my older brother is brilliant, one of the smartest people I know and one of the most caring and kind people I know. And his relationship with the Lord has always been rock solid. He's not just intelligent, but he's also kind. Yeah. Which are the worst kind of people. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever heard Jordan Peterson talk about the Harvard <laughs> student that he had stay inside his uh, 
home for for uh-huh. some period of time, uh-huh. and he, he pointed out how it's it's one thing, you know. Uh, he was so intelligent, you know. These guys, these kids are so intelligent, but but they had to. He was explaining, giving uh, an idea of who Abel was. He was uh, these kids that came and 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 it was one thing that they were, you know, ex- extremely intelligent, just and, and polite. Right. They had to be polite, you know. They, right. they, they didn't. It wasn't, you know. You would think that they would just be the biggest assholes right. to walk in and and just, you know, they're they're they go to Harvard and I, they yeah. they they uh you know scholarships through the window. I mean, they did every paper to get every to get free money, you know, and like and they and they did it, but they were also kind and respectful. Mm-hmm. Those are the worst kind of people. Mm. That's why Cain resented Abel and did mm. what he did. Mm. But mm. well, they're the, they're the so in that case they're the worst kind of people to to uh, well how do you say that they they create more envy mm. in people who are envious. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and and that was so talk so about that, Cain yeah. and Abel, right? <laughs> you, you so here we are, me and my brother, my literal. My literal biological brother, yeah, brilliant, kind, smart, great older brother. Um, you know, was best man at my wedding, and I love him dearly. Um, just a brilliant person, and and anyway, so he's above me, and then there's me, and then my younger sister, um, probably smarter than my older brother, probably kinder than my older brother, has an even stronger relationship with Jesus and the Lord, and. Um, everybody respected her greatly and, and she's tough. Like she had three brothers growing up, so she's strong, but kind. And anyway, so she's, she follows me. And so I'm wedged in between these two straight A students. And I remember, I remember, so, you know, me and my brother were two years apart and we went to the same high school. Right. And so, um, uh, my brother, you know, brilliant, got straight A's and everything. And so I walk into like math class. What, what, it didn't matter. This happened at least a half a dozen times. I walk into math class. They're taking attendance first day. And, you know, Barath <laughs> isn't yeah. exactly the most common name. Sure. And so they get to me and they're like, Jake Barath? I'm like, yep, yeah, here. And they're like, are you Ben Barath's brother? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. And literally, this happened at least a half a dozen times. I'm like, yes. And you could see him just like, oh, man, like this is going to make my career. I had one Barath who just crushed it. Now I got a second Barath. Like, oh, man, this is going to look so good. And within about a month, they're like, this kid's a freaking dumbass. <laughs> just, just lazy and just doesn't work, you know. And uh, so anyway, that's, that's kind of how I felt. Like I was following this brilliance of my brother, this trail of brilliance that he left. And then here I come. I can't necessarily say my sisters were like, were, like they're, they're, they're smart. They're, they're very, very... Actually, you know what? They they are brilliant. I mean, like, my sister is a nurse, and, like, I... Something I wouldn't ever be able to do. Like, uh, just don't have... They're, they're extremely... Um, they were well-known in high school. They were cheerleaders, but they were also, like, extremely kind mm. and generous and and, mm. and, and, and... and not your average cheerleader because they... Sure, they they showed time and respect to everybody. Yeah, um, and the teachers knew them too. All right. So, 
I went through high school similar situations where like Sam Johnson, um, except instead of them going, oh, are you whatever? Because Johnson's a common name. Right. I would go, because uh, they they would ask too. It's so weird now that I think about it. Like if like brothers or somebody in the class would clearly have an older brother or older sister that that teacher knew, and right. so then I was like the kid that was like, oh. Did you know Allie or Megan? Right, 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 right. <laughs> so, like, someone like you in the class, and then like, yeah. oh, yeah, Barrett, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then so then I would know that the teacher's been here for a while, and I'd right. be like, oh, did you, did, you, did you know Allie or Megan? Right. And so they would have, like, this preconceived, like, notion of who I was, except uh, right. I was the guy in the family. I was the youngest brother and just the most freaking obnoxious. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta, I, I'm sure that my sisters didn't blurt out in class and you know right. raise their hand and ask right. stupid questions just to get under the teacher's skin i got kicked out of class one time for asking a stupid question in a classroom that had a poster on the wall that said there's no such thing as a stupid question <laughs> <laughs> we all know that's a lie oh 100 percent. yeah but but that's the thing is is that i saw that poster on the wall and i go challenge accepted (laughs) (laughs) she sent me to the principal's office that's right or the classroom next door but i digress (laughs) yeah so 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 you went through high school as the the yes as the smart kids brother yeah Yeah, well and not just the smart kids but they were just good they're just good good and i was i was a nice guy i mean i got along with everyone i got along with all my teachers but you know my relationship with the lord was was hidden so, you know, so I had this, this, was your brothers on display? Yeah. Yeah. And he got made fun of a lot, but he just sucked it up. And he's dealt bigger. With it. No, no, he's, he's courageous. Yeah. He's courageous. That's right. Yeah. And bold. Mm-hmm. And at the time I didn't recognize that or respect it. You know, yeah. I, I sort of saw it as weakness and a lot of people do. Or they, a well, lot it was of people a Cain and Abel situation. Yeah. That's right. Just that's right. That's, uh, I think that's, that's very well put. And I don't think I, I don't think I wanted reali- to kill him. No, <laughs> no, I don't think I, I realized that I was envious of him. And I'm not sure that I was outright envious of him or jealous of him, but there was definitely, I felt like he cast a really almost too perfect shadow and that I was destined to not live up to that. And I'm also, I felt like I was in competition with both my my older siblings, my older brother, uh, my my older Jordan. older brother and younger sister. Um, I felt like I was in competition with them, on in areas that they're really gifted in, right? So, yeah. acad- academics and academia—they're both brilliant in those areas, and um, uh, being bold in their faith and and really you know surrounding themselves with good people who, you know, have strong faith and strong. And that wasn't me. They were strategical. They they had their their support group, mm-hmm. and I didn't. And I had um, anyway. I had my own friends who were who were awesome, and but no, none of them were Christian. You know, um, some really really. I mean, the closest friends I've ever had in my life were uh, the kids I grew up with in Wales, um, and we would just. I mean, we would go to war together if we had to. Um, uh, and defend each other with our lives, but none of them were walking with Jesus. None of them wanted to hear about it. 
And at that point, you know, I'd already resigned to never talking about it. And that left me with a lot of guilt in my heart. Like I knew who Jesus was. I knew I believed in Jesus in my heart, but I had also rejected Jesus. I'd like stuffed him in the closet and said, don't come out. Don't you dare come out. You'll embarrass me. You'll cause me grief and pain and suffering. And I know that you're real and you're true and you, you even died for me. I'm not willing to let you out of, of this place. Uh, for fear that you'll embarrass me. Um, Were you a pretty cool kid? Yeah, I tried to be. and uh, um, I mean, like, we're now out of high school. It's been a while. Like, were you a cool kid or were you, like... I I had a lot of friends. You had a lot of... I had a lot. So that was the area that I was good in. Yeah. Right? So my brother and sister, they had a small number of friends... I knew everybody, and I loved everybody, and everybody loved me, and I just had this big circle of friends. Well, you also you knew the upperclassmen and the, the lowerclassmen. Uh, somewhat, so somewhat, yes. Did, was there like overlap? I mean, how was it? Three years, four years? How far apart were you guys? Uh, so it was my brother. Two years later was me. Then two years later was my sister. Okay, so like, so we're right there now. She went to a different high school, but nevertheless, I knew all of her friends, and you know, the UK is. There's some big cities, but even the big cities, it's all small towny. You know everybody. Yeah. And so I knew, you know, some of my friends were related to my sister's friends, and, you know, I knew my brother and his friends. And so I had friends all over the place. Yeah. And the different sort of cliques in high school, um, you know, I just, I just had friends. Knit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they were, but. Do you still have any friends from Wales? Yeah, I do. It's been a while since we caught up, but, um, but I do. I mean, you know, so. There was probably, I don't know, there was dozens of people that I knew and then a dozen that were really tight friends. Yeah. And then within that, there was five that were like like brothers. We were so close. Yeah. And um, and so, uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I was really lucky that I had great friends, but none of them knew Jesus and none of them, and, and neither did I. And stuffing you know jesus in the closet for so long um you know really brought me a lot of guilt and pain and and uh because i knew it was true and i knew that i shouldn't i knew that i i i should shouldn't be so afraid yeah you know is it today that you feel that guilt or was it then no it was then it was i've reconciled it now yeah sure um but then it was and it was heavy and, you know, living a life that I knew that I wasn't really supposed to live, you know, just partying super hard. And um, do you want water? Uh, if you got one, I'll take one. If not, don't sweat it. It's not. So I brought that new cup down it. here and uh, this is the new cup, <laughs> but I poured the other one into the new cup. So you can either drink after me or you can drink after my Mormon buddy. I would choose my Mormon buddy because... <laughs> What whatever you choose, I'm I'm fine with. I'll drink after anybody. Okay, it doesn't matter. I just came off of having the flu and the stomach bug, so my antibodies are like through the roof. I can stick anything okay. in my mouth. All right, I'm be just fine. <laughs> I'd rather not have to get up and walk over there. And this is just easier. There you go. And you just keep the jug. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, man. Well, I got a water down here too. So. Uh, so yeah. So anyway. Um, so all that to say, you know, so I would still go to church with the family and at church I'd keep up with appearances and I'd, you know, say I'd, I'd walk the walk and whatever. But then, um, you know, 
that that was it. It was Sunday morning. It was a show, and then uh, the rest of the week it was me just living my life however yeah. I wanted. And uh, and that led me to a, you know, that led me into a lot of depression. I had a lot of I wrestled with a lot of depression and anxiety. Well, and you were torn in two. Yes, exactly. So right. I, I feel like I feel that because I too was like, I was in that. I think I shared a little bit with this to you is that walking through high school is that like I had this who I wanted to be like I wanted to be a, a good person I wanted to be that that guy you know but then I also had this perceived um individual that I knew that others in that high school saw me as so like so I I I I think maybe I should do this once or twice. Actually, I've said this to multiple people, but I think that I, my mother was going to name me, I think it was Ryan, which I think I look like a Ryan, but I act like a Sam. Hmm. Okay. So, <clears throat> so I had like this double persona going on with like Ryan and Sam. Ryan was this, um, Well, I'll, I'll I'll lay it out for you. Is that like is that like when I told girls that I was a virgin, it was like, no, you're not. No, you're not. There's no way. And mm-hmm. I was like, no, I I I'm no, I'm I'm like 16 and I'm a, a virgin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. they they would they would be like, no, you're not. And then I'd talk to them and we'd like talk till like three o'clock in the morning on the phone. You know how it is. And then they'd be like, this guy. No, he, he's, he's not talking to me for the reason that uh, Tyler's talking to me. What do you mean? As in Tyler opened that door and, like, I think that there's, like, this, um, women know, like, whether they're, whether you're talking to them with an ends meet or mm-hmm. like a the the a, a goal of an end in mind. Yeah. Yeah. Or there or it's an open conversation, you know? Yeah. So, like all through high school it was like I had this uh I had this perceived like I, as if I was a player. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, but I'm not. And I almost like fell into that role of of that. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, "Oh, this is what you people want." Okay. All right. Yeah. Let's do that. Yeah. Like so, the, the self-fulfilled prophecy. Yes. Yeah, if you believe you are something, eventually you become that thing. Yeah. Right? But it was it was it was so wrapped up with the other people's um, perspective on, uh, on me that like that was like the at the top of my hierarchy. It wasn't it wasn't the ideal self that I saw. Mm-hmm. It was the ideal self that others saw. Mm. And so then I was like, okay. This is this is who you who you see me to be. Um, not even a Ryan or a Sam, but like a Chad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I fell into that role of a Chad. Don't get me wrong, I still had a personality, but it was like it was like um, I don't know. The girls wanted to kiss me, and so I was like, okay, all right, here's, hmm. a, here's a kiss, and then it. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know how we fell down this rabbit hole, but 
Yeah, I mean, you know, being a teenager is hard for everybody. And I think a lot of teenagers struggle with depression. We know they do, right? Statistically, teenagers, you know, are just, just fraught with depression and anxiety and all kinds of stuff. And part of it is because you don't know anything. But you put these expectations on yourself. Like you have to play to the crowd, right? Yeah. So you've got to find where you fit in in this, this high school uh, you know, high schools are just whack. They're one, they're the, one of the strangest places on earth. Oh, Got yeah. all these different cliques and these different, it's this, its own like incredibly complex subculture. And you've got to figure out where you, you live in this thing and, and what your reputation is going to be. You're freaking out about it. Am everything. I just trying to get by? Right. Or am I be trying to be known? Right. Or am I trying to um, get scholarships am i planning on dropping out um do i hope that my father doesn't get drunk tonight and beat me sure yeah by the way that wasn't my circumstances (laughs) but right right if dad's even home yeah if dad's even is dad even even home or whatever yeah you know and and you've got all of these mishmash of people in there hormones are going crazy yeah you know it's uh it's i mean it's it's rough it's a rough time and you don't know who you are and you're trying to figure out who you are you don't have any answers for anything um but yet and and you get the worst advice from like like your friends your friends who act like they know what they're talking about and they have no freaking clue that's right yeah and so it's you know it's a tough time for every kid you add to that um trying to please multiple or trying to live different lives to cater to different people's expectations so my religious friends expectations and mm. my non-religious friend, or in your case you know wh- whatever this i had this yeah no i had i had like a, a community of like religious gamers athletics right um the cool guys i'd primarily just make fun of them <laughs> but there's a couple there that was like good to see you right like they they know I'm <laughs> getting under their skin and I uh, getting under their friend's skin and they love it. They were not gonna say it, mm-hmm. but I I could run fast. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, in fifth grade I think it was no sixth grade fourth grade. My birthday parties I would have th- birthday parties every year. Like, I was fortunate to have a father that was a salesman who made good money Mm. to the point where I could have birthday parties at the bowling alley Mm. and invite, like, not, like, six, seven of my friends, but I can invite, like, 15, 20 kids, Mm -hmm. right? And so um, there's a picture that I, I remember. I wish I could pop it up on the shelf or something, but you had the kid, um that had smelly clothes smelly backpack hadn't got a backpack new backpack since ever mm-hmm. right hand me down this was brothers and it's just ratted you had him in the picture you had um the most popular girl you had um um the kid with down syndrome mm. so there's a guy that there's a boy that had down syndrome that mm. i invited you had um all that to say is like <laughs> where I fell through life in like high school, but like where I came from. So like I had this like 
you kind of wonder like when was it that um because i don't believe that you're born inherently good mm. like i, think I that's, agree that's that's very clear that uh <laughs> as soon as you come out you're screaming yelling craving attention but primarily food <laughs> but a lot of attention and you can maybe you're not not in your head to this is that <laughs> this is true <laughs> so you know where is it that that shift happens when do you find out as peterson says that uh you're vulnerable when do you recognize that you're you can be hurt and you have the capability of mm, hurt others. hurting others uh, through deceit know. and through yeah. malice and malintent. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, what, what does he say? He's a clinical psychologist. He should have some interesting thoughts. Well, it was interesting. You know, I'd been diving deep into this and um, I got to the chapter finally where it sounded like he hit kind of rock bottom. Um, and what he wanted to find was a rock. He described it as a rock, a foundation, mm. truth, mm-hmm. like something that he could he could base his reality off of. And that truth, that fundamental reality, uh, foundation, fundamental foundation, is that there is suffering in the world. Mm. And so, like, he he built a lot of. Um, his thought process stacked from there Mm. is to say that there is suffering. Yeah. And it was inevitable. Almost kind of like how I base a lot of where earlier on in my life where I was like, we're not born inherently good. Mm -hmm. Like we, we, we pop out and we're not three year olds have every intent of getting that candy bar from you even it means smiling and doing some cute little dance. Sure. A five-year-old starts to have the capability to manipulate. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, by seven, you know how to lie. Mm-hmm. Like, to the T, you know. By nine, you're able to sneak around. You, you, know, you know every nook and cranny of that home. So... I don't know where we got to this point, but yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's true. You know, I think that, um, you know, there's, uh, gosh, you know, it it all, it comes down to, you know, what do you fundamentally believe about sin? Yeah. Right. You know, and, and what is sin? Not, not, not right and wrong. That's right. Not, not ethically. That's right. You could, you could have a conversation of ethics. Right. Which what's are, right and what's wrong. That's right. And w- which are social constructs, uh, constructs to some degree, right? They're manipulated by culture and so forth. But wh- that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about what is in- inherently sinful and what's not. Yeah. And so, you know, for me, the foundation is Jesus and that the, the law is the Bible. Yeah. Right. And so what does the Bible say? Well, the Bible gives us lots of lists of sin. Right. Don't do these things. Right? Do not murder. Right. The Ten Commandments is a list. The yeah. Book of Leviticus is pretty much a list. And then even in the New Testament, there's, you know, lists of sins that you, you shouldn't do. Um, 
and those exist for a purpose, right? Those are printed in the Bible for a purpose. Yeah. But, but sin is not a list. It's not like if you if you adhere to the list, or rather abstain from the things on the list, now you're you're sinless, mm-hmm. and you're going to be okay, uh, and you'll get to go to heaven. If you're a good enough person, you'll get to go to heaven. You know that's not fundamentally what sin is. Sin is you can't avoid sin. That's right. Sin is, you know, sin entered the world and wrapped itself around our souls so that it is part of who we are. Um, It's not that you sin when you think something bad or you sinned. We are natural sinners. It's part of our of our DNA and part of our makeup. It's the yin versus the yang, right? There's chaos and order, right? Created in God's image, in His beautiful, amazing, righteous image, and thus we have the ability to do and and be and and uh, incredible things. We can right wrongs and we can um, stand for in for for justice when injustice exists and and rally against oppression and we can serve the poor and that those are all fundamentally you know attributes of god who is good yeah but at the same time we have this sin that's entwined with our heart and it can drive us to do terrible atrocities i mean look throughout human history look at human well hitler's hitler's actions how do they how do they start they started internally Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and actually, and he just took the ideas of Nietzsche and just applied them in a completely right. incorrect manner. Right. And, and in an incorrect manner. Trying to fill with a prophecy. A, <laughs> with a sociopathic bent, right? Just yeah. a, a Nihilistic is, right. is, 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 the, is the term that um, Peterson kind of laid out this like really fine line of like, we had, there was a lot of order i mean the king you know hi- the hierarchy was there you had the upper middle lower class you had upper and lower class mm-hmm. you know what i mean yep you didn't really have a middle class in that time and it was very orderly and the pros to that orderliness was uh that uh, there wasn't much there wasn't nihilism there wasn't this idea that uh, um this idea of a utopia mm. right this idea that we can fix this suffering for good and final because the people in the lower class were like, well, suffering, what's suffering? We don't really like you wake up. It was, it was almost behavioral, you know, like people in the lower class, it was kind of like animals, right? You know, you, you woke up, you worked, you went to sleep, you woke up, you worked, you went to sleep, you had food that you bought. And then same thing in the upper class is that you woke up, you ate, you slept, you woke up, you ate, you slept. And, like, it was just this behavioral... But then this revolution happened of (laughs) Christianity Mm -hmm. actually was the originator of Mm -hmm. separation of church and state. I thought that was mind-blowing when I read that. Mm. That's real. That's true. That's... that's, um, So then then what you have is, like, this kind of, like, this clear, like, flip over of, like, now you have the scientific era that... uh, now people have kind of this uh there's more people thinking and seeing like what i don't know i'm trying to like (laughs) yeah (laughs) summarize a book that is sure so deep and yeah well uh, yeah yeah well you know so we we, we gotta get you reading it 
I'll read it again yeah, with you I'd, just I'd so love, we can like. I'd love to read it. Um, uh, I, don't, I don't know much about it. I mean, I know a, a bit about it. But, sure. Um, but yeah, so, you know, the, the, uh, the, in, so before the Enlightenment, right, the Enlightenment era. Sure. The, everyone believed in God pretty yeah. much. Yeah, that's right. right. And then God died. Well, God died later, but, okay. <laughs> well, kind of. So the Enlightenment comes around, and all of a sudden people start questioning things, questioning yeah. everything. And science, you know, emerges as a legit thing. And people, you know, who used to just sort of poo-poo science as sort of black magic, now all of a sudden, no, 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 there's evidence that, you know. So the science, you know, science emerges, and people start questioning, well, is God real? Right. So pre-enlightenment, the question of the day regarding God was whose God is most powerful? Is it the Roman God, the Greek God? Is it the Christian God? Right. And that was the question that, that you had to answer. Whose God is most powerful? So you read about Paul going to the Grecians and he's sitting there and he's having these debates and he, he tells them, you know, my God is the all powerful God. Um, you know, you have a monument to this unknown God. Let me tell you about him. You know, is it Apollo's? Uh, no, th there's literally a monument to to the the not yet known God. Oh yeah, that's though, right. Yeah, as though like you know, just to cover all of our bases, if, <laughs> if there's a God out there that we're not aware of who might be the most powerful, let's put it. We're still praying to you. That's right. Yeah. And so uh, so anyway, so that was the question. The question was whose God is most powerful, and then the Enlightenment comes along, and the question changes to does God exist, right? And then you know, a, a, around about that time. There's this theory or this idea is birthed of um, kind of, of, oh, I forget what it's called, but basically it's like uh, human endeavor can fix everything. Like humanity is on this, this trajectory of upward progress and that as time goes on, we will naturally um, sort of evolve into um, smarter, kinder, nicer people yeah. Um, and that evil will diminish as human progress continues. Humanity can conquer sin. That's right. Exactly right. That's the idea. Yeah. That um, we don't need God yeah. anymore. Um, because humanity, now that we are enlightened, now that we're asking these questions, we can, you know. We can just, um, we can just be kinder to each other. That's right. And we can find happiness. We, the more we study, the more we learn, the yeah. more we seek answers, the more enlightened we'll become. And thus, human progress will eventually, you know, whatever, uh, do away with sin and, and evil and, and whatnot. So, uh, you know, the 20th century comes al along and um, proves that theory to be total garbage because we have back-to-back -back world wars and utter devastation mm -hmm. around the world. And all of the, you know, these ideas of human progress, of unchecked human progress, so solving all the, the world's issues, came from academia right? yeah. came from really Europe uh, from Greece and from Rome and well really from yeah from these these centers of thought and so Nietzsche and then there's another one that was specifically noted that he I don't know the other guy right but 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 go, go on with the premises that yeah so so then you know so that's the idea but they they completely ignored all of the suffering in the world yeah right like we'll all just get smarter and we'll all live it was this very like arrogant kind of view of of oh yeah we'll just think our way out of this mm -hmm. 
um, out of these massive complexities and this stifling poverty and people, you know, average age of, you know, you know, longevity was like 30 or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, 40 probably. So then we get through our second world war and everyone stops and says, okay, well that was garbage. Yeah. Right. Clearly, clearly we have the smartest people on earth. Yeah. Um, waging just atrocious wars against each other and using our intellect and power and science to, to create weapons that are just utterly devastating. Um, and not just devastating, but cruel. Um, so that idea has just been kiboshed. The Nuremberg Trials. Yes. What was that? Was that like, do you know what that was? The Nuremberg Trials? Nurem- yeah. It's like uh, I, this uh, idea that uh, there is too far as far as torture uh right she like it was a humanitarian effort to say like there's right. any no there's no country that can do like we will not stand on a we will stand on united mm-hmm. but we want diversity <laughs> right i should stop that united <laughs> On on this on this this idea that uh, there's something that is inherently evil. There is something so far wrong that we could consider it evil. And right. if you do it in your country, we're not going to stand for that. Right. Yeah. So they draft the Hague Convention, right? Mm-hmm. And and uh, and the ethical treatment of human beings during wartime. Mm-hmm. And they start drawing these delineating lines to make sure that people don't. Uh, you know, so they do away with biological weapons, which, mm. which mustard gas, mustard gas, and and all kinds of other yeah. crazy, terrible things that really only existed to just m- murder as many people as possible. Well, it get, like it was, it was a slow, terrible death. Right. It wasn't just like poison; you're dead. Yeah, it was it also was, gassing the Jews because gassing the Jews, it wasn't like you breathe it in and you're dead. Like right. it's like a it, it was eats a painful, you from the inside yeah, out. Yeah, terrible, just. You know, some sick-minded person, you know, envisioned this. Yeah. It wasn't like, oh, this will work. It was like, no, 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 let's engineer this to, to be as, to be a, a, a torture mechanism. Yeah. All right, so anyway, so we've, you know, clearly human, humanity is not going to progress to the point to where we can do away with evil. Yes. We're incapable. We've tried it. We've tried it. Anyway. It basically makes, it basically what it does is it, it to do that, there has to be more people that suffer to, for, for, for nobody to, for uh, mm, this idea of nobody will suffer only reverts us back like immediately to upper class, lower class parasites and, and heaven. <laughs> like, mm. So, and we saw that in the forties. Right. So so now we're now we're present time. So, so this is we, interesting. We, we we talked about a lot of your right. <laughs> your past and and yeah. so now we've now moved into like so now we're like present and so on a world scale. Uh, so after these wars, the question shifted about God again. Yeah. So it was whose God is most powerful. Then it was does God even exist? And yeah. then it's well, if he exists, does it matter? Does God even matter? Sure. Because look at what just happened and where was God in the midst of all that. And so today's question about God is that doesn't matter if he exists or not, or, or rather, does it even matter if he exists or not? 
And so, um, because if he does this, if he does, if he doesn't, look at that look at that's this. right, that's right. And so, um, and so that's kind of where where we're at. And so, yes, you know, back to the enlightenment and the idea that um, that we could think our way into sort of uh, think our way into treating each other nice. It just it, it was a fallacy, which gives evidence to this idea that sin is part of who we are. And, uh, and we can't rid ourselves of it. It's just in us. Yeah. And give us the right set of circumstances, and everyone is a cruel and, and terrible person. Here's, a, here's a, great, a great example, right? So I had a conversation with a guy once, and he, he was basically saying, you know, hey, I'm a good guy. I think I should go to heaven. And I was like, okay. Um, well, it's not about being a good person. You know, it's not the list. You know, it's not, it's not just, you know, abstain from the list, <coughs> and then you get to go to heaven. It's acknowledging that um, that you have sin in your life, and that that you there's nothing you can do to get rid of it. It's just part of who we are. But Jesus came to die for our sins, and Jesus paid the price because there has to be a price, right? If God is truly just, He can't let all of this atrocity go without some punishment, without some response. If discipline, if so, then you would be right to say does God even exist? Look at what just happened, right? Yeah. All this. Th- so justice is coming. Well, just uh, just to, to clip on, on that point is that, is that to say that you can't say that if you say that God exists and then you say, well, look at this, then that response to that is that uh, to suffering in general is that is that there's you're just looking at half of the, the coin. You, you, if you're going to point at this and say, Look at this evil justice. Like, look at this. Look at this demented idea of justice that 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 happened. Um, you know, if you can't look at evil without looking at the good, hmm. you cannot say you can't point at somebody, some something, and um, like here's here's a really sticky idea. I don't even like. I'm worried to even bring it up on live. Like, just even speak it. But is there and I want to frame it in a way that is is not going to <laughs> get people fired up to, you know, come find me and kill me. Was there a life to come was there a phoenix phoenix in the ashes of the Holocaust? Was there something that came from that? That, uh, like a silver lining, <clears throat> some good that even came that out sounds of like crap. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's no way you can frame that question without, without it's you know, because it was so bad. Yeah, you know the the idea that any like I can talk good. personally in my life of like the breakups that I've went through. Sure, I'm grateful for the for 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 those breakups yeah like I'm, I'm thankful that that god gave me uh, uh that pearl of of truth Amen. about myself that i there's no sense in me yeah um, i mean as a married guy i'm so glad every relationship before my wife ended <laughs> you know what i mean so yes yeah. yes totally and, and you can talk about that on a personal but as soon as you as soon as you pull that into the Mm-hmm. less individual and more um 
collective yeah. idea, then well, it becomes very sticky. Well, I think so. I think the 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 question is, in light of such terrible evil, what was the response from the opposite? What was the response of of the good, right? And so, um, we created laws. Yes, right? we created laws to protect people. We recognize Jews as as individual people, as a, a, and as a legitimate uh, religion, um, and as as people who who have feelings and and you know, um, we saw them. Yeah. Um, well, do you think that? Uh, um, this would be in the forties. When were the Jim Crow, Crow laws? Uh, uh, would that be the? I don't know. This is not, <laughs> That's not, not my area. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, oh, well, I mean, that's a fascinating idea, though. The, the parallels, you know, did, wh- wh- which... Yeah, know, by the way, did, did you know that Hitler was on, on Time Magazine's front cover in, like, 1945 or something? Yeah, I did not know did that. Did you know that? Uh-uh. I hope it makes you look at time a little bit differently. <laughs> I mean, Not what the was time, but right? What the was magazine. what was the the article? The computer right? Yeah, let's look it up. Yeah. yeah, let's see it. So yeah, I mean, you know, it's a uh, well, it's a it's sticky, sticky situation. Yeah, that's why I'm like, let's let's divert. <laughs> uh, you know, the the point is because of how horrible the Second World War was. I think people woke up somewhat to to how terrible um, humanity can be and how terrible and atrocious war is. Nineteen thirty six. So what's the? Uh, I mean, like, what's the article about? And like, yeah. I, I'm sure that I mean, he's on you the can't cover. find it. He's on the cover. That's that's you know one thing. But what do they write about him? It has a. I, I I bet you can't find it anywhere. Yeah. I'm sure that I mean, Time explained that uh, what was perhaps the most controversial of its choices. Thus, Hitler became in the 1938 uh, the greatest threatening force mm. that the democratic, freedom-loving world faces today. Yeah. Hitler rise, but, but that's the thing is I don't think. I don't think I don't think that on the when they had them on the cover that it was because he was the most that that was why. Yeah. But yeah. anyway, we we'll put that aside. Yeah. So we'll forgive Time Magazine for that. Uh, but so my question, I guess, since we've like worked this problem to we like brought some individuals and individual like and then now we're looking yeah. at the world. Is that yeah. like where is it go from here? Right. Right. So, all right. So, uh, and what has to change? I don't even know if we have time to answer both those questions. How how are we doing on time? How much we got? We're doing really well. I mean, it's only an hour 20. Okay. I don't know how long this goes for, but it sounds great. Let's do it. Well, so like the the long, the longest, the longest one was like four hours. So, so shooting for under four. Yeah. Yeah. We're shooting for under three and a half. (laughs) <laughs> I'm shooting funny. for a round three. You're the timekeeper. I'm going to sleep. <laughs> no. 
this is good. All right, so we. I would have thought that we would have been on like hour three, but yeah, yeah, it's only been an hour and twenty minutes. Yeah, we'll cover a lot of ground. Yeah. Um, all right, so so I said something about. Um, oh yeah, okay, so um, here we are today. Does God even matter? Uh, so I'm having this conversation with a guy. Yeah. And he's like, I'm a good guy. I should go to heaven. You know, whatever. And I don't like the idea that uh, good people, um, even that good people, if they don't, you know, accept Jesus, they they don't get to go to heaven. And um, and I was like, well, you know, I mean, it's not about because that's not fair. Right. It's not fair. Yeah. Right. And, and I, I, I get the argument. I totally get it. Yeah. Um, and it sounds really harsh, super harsh. Um, so, you know, but we, you know, I, I asked him, well, you know, it's not about it's not about being good and it's not about abstaining from stuff on the list. It's about admitting that this sin is entwined on our hearts and we can't rid ourselves of it. But there has to be a penalty. Right. There has to be. If God is truly just, then there has to be a penalty for for what we are capable of and what we have already done to each other and others and, and blah, blah, blah. And he said, well, what about me? I haven't really done anything all that bad. And he was eating like a, a some chocolate bar. Right. And I was like, all right, well, let's just just uh, let, let's let's ex- explore this a bit. I said, all right, so you're eating this chocolate bar, right? And you're a good guy, right? He's like, yeah. I said, is that fair trade chocolate? And he's like, well, I don't think so. It's like, all right, it's not. And, you know, I got some chocolate over in, in my pantry or whatever, and it's not fair trade either. Um, but we both know what that means. That means that the the coca beans that went into making that chocolate there's a high likelihood that it was harvested by a child somewhere in atrocious circumstances and you and i both know this is true we know what fair trade is we know that it applies to chocolate and yet you're sitting there with that and i've got stuff in my in my closet you know whatever i don't know this but he knew this yeah i mean that's what fair trade you know means it means ethical you know, the ethical treatment of workers and whatever yeah. along a product line. And okay. chocolate is known to be, you know, a, a, a big offender in the in this space. Interesting. That Ow. Ooh. Ooh, Charlie horse. <laughs> <laughs> drink, drink your water. Stretch I'm it trying. Out. It's uh, not doing anything. <laughs> drink it so many <coughs> water. So, you know, so that so so that basically means that we have made a choice to buy this chocolate because it was cheaper than the other chocolate. Maybe we just like it or whatever. You like chocolate, whatever. But we both know that it's not fair trade. And that means that there's a high likelihood that that chocolate bar supports child labor in the Congo or wherever your coca beans came from. And he's like, uh, yeah. And and I think he kind of knew where this was going. I said, okay, so here's the deal. You may seem like a really, really great guy uh, in your own mind. But if that kid who's harvesting your coca beans knew that you were over here sitting in your very nice house with your nice cars and eating your chocolate, full well knowing what it cost him, um, do you think he would think that you're a really, really great guy? And the reality is, no, he wouldn't. Of course he wouldn't, right? If he saw the, the, the life that you live and how you allocate your finances and your time to helping others or not helping others, and the choices that you make on even these micro levels of buying your chocolate or your t-shirt or your whatever, 
right? Knowing what it costs another human being and just not really caring because the chocolate dealers of the world, the chocolate companies of the world know that if they switch to fair trade, it's going to increase the cost of their chocolate by, I don't know, 200%. And you won't pay for it at that price. And I won't pay for it at that price. In fact, if we had a choice, you, you and I both would probably still pick this one. So who gets to pick who's a good person and who's not a good person? Isn't it just a matter of perspective? And if we could bring that kid over here and sit down and have this conversation, I think he'd have some pretty choice words for you standing here telling the world that you're a good person. And I'm not saying that I'm a good person and that I'm better than you at, because I make more ethical choices or whatever, you know, you know, y you eat vegan. So all of a sudden you're, you know, the best person on earth. Not at all. The point is that we have to admit that we are not and that we need a savior. And, and getting to that point requires humility and it requires you to, to recognize that we are not our own God and we can't think our way into being good enough to judge the whole world and say, I'm good enough, I get in. You're good enough, you get in. Those people over there are not good enough, they don't get in. You know, who gets to make that choice? And if you're doling out justice, what does justice look like? Shouldn't there be a penalty? And who gets to, to decide what that penalty is and who pays the price? You know? So I think that the idea that we can just get moral enough that we can can you know the the the, the idea that um good we are inherently good yeah that we are inherently good is wrong we're not i love my kids they're not inherently good i love them i die for them um and i i tell them you are good kids they are good kids they're good kids um you know, uh, but on a deep spiritual level, on a carnal level, human beings are who we are. Uh, and we have to admit that, that great evil exists in parallel with great light and great love. And we are our carriers of both. And so being a Christian means exploring the love and the light and allowing Jesus to diminish the darkness and the sin and the evil in our lives. And only he is capable of doing that. Um, but admitting that is a, is a challenge. For, well, for, every, for me, it was a challenge, you know, when I was in my 20s. And all of a sudden, you know, wanted to own my faith takes a lot of humility to admit that um, I'm not good enough and I never will be and I need a savior I need a savior like that's those are hard words for a lot of people to say you know yeah yeah well I think that I had this thought that it's kind of funny how you're a pretty conservative guy, but like you're also self-aware of like 
where you buy your chocolate from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, but well, you, you are, you're, are, are you, yeah, are you, yeah, yeah. are you a bit of a minimalist? Oh man. I mean, it depends on which slice of the pie you look at. Right. So like I got a bunch of tattoos on my arms, spent a lot of money on that. Could have sure. saved a lot of orphans with that money. Sure, you could have. You know, so every decision you make, you can parcel it up that way. It's like this, this scene in Schindler's List, you know, at the end when he's walking around, he takes off his ring. He's like, that could have gotten another three kids or, you know, something like that. And weighing his life after all the good that he had done. I don't think I've ever even watched that movie. It's, I mean, it's tragic and, and but beautiful. It's a great movie. Everyone should watch it. I know the premise of it because yeah. a comedian said this joke. And I'm going to repeat it. <laughs> His name's Anthony Jeselnik. Okay. Some of the darkest humor that you'll ever listen right, to. Right, right. I think it's sometimes healthy that uh, Christians just go listen to some comedians like this. Yeah, that we are need just to take so ourselves less seriously, don't dark. we? Dark. Yeah. <laughs> and he goes, uh, brought up my his, his mother and... Uh, well, first he tells this joke about how his mother is a horrible person. She's absolutely terrible. No, he brings that up after bringing up how she's obsessed, absolutely obsessed with, uh, um, oh, what was her name? Queen Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's got pictures of her all over her home. Just pictures of her all over her home. So obsessed. After the car accident <laughs> oh princess diana da- yeah yeah that's the oh, one. Oh, jeez his so delivery the car accident <laughs> so yeah queen queen yeah princess, princess diana. diana right right obsessed because there were people so obsessed with her and his delivery is just so but then he brings up my mom is a horrible person she's a holocaust denier i'm gonna butcher mm. this but mm. he says She's a Holocaust denier, and and I don't know if you know what that is, but it's somebody. It's the worst thing that you can be. <laughs> it's it's somebody who doesn't believe that the right. Holocaust Holocaust happened, and so what we uh, we had the rabbi come. We we had an intervention with her. We had the rabbi come in. We all shared with her, you know, this is we 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 had her watch Schindler's List, and uh, by the end of it, uh, she 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 believed in the holocaust and uh um she did a complete 180 now my mom believes in the holocaust that happened but she can't believe it only happened once (laughs) oh jeez oh (laughs) jeez so if you want some really dark humor anthony jeseldeck is got to be He's walking the line, man. He's oh, he's and, and he's pretty clear. He's 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 extremely atheist. He mm-hmm. says it not, but I don't know now though. You know, if you say you're atheist on a stage and you're playing a part, like I mean, how true can that be? Yeah, I mean, how I can think you be a creative general, individual and just yeah. I I think in general, like comedians shouldn't be taken seriously. Yeah, right. That's a tongue-in-cheek joke. Right. Yeah. They shouldn't be taken seriously because they're comedians. Everything about them is a joke. It shouldn't they be taken. They are the joker. That's right. They shouldn't be taken seriously. Whatever they say on stage should not be taken seriously. Yes. It's a joke. So who knows? Who yeah. knows? You know, um, 
that's a topic yeah. we could dive into is just like the whole uh this idea that uh you know can you read your bible and can you listen to anthony jeselnik spouting right. off the story of his grandmother getting him a bible for uh before he graduate after he graduates high school and working it up to this whole entire climax of finally he after he sh- the the his grandmother <laughs> the whole thing you got to just listen to it <laughs> Is it on like Netflix or something? It's it's on Apple Music. Okay. Or on on yeah Apple Music. All right, I'll so check it out. I found out about comedians on Apple Music and it just absolutely rocked my world, because sometimes I just don't feel like listening to music. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. um, and I took off podcasts on my phone. Okay. Yeah. Believe it or not. Yeah. Interesting. It's my my phone is about? pretty dry boned, to just access to internet, gone. Huh. So interesting. Cool. So I, uh, um, so, so I'm like, wait, wait, I need, I need to hear somebody talk. Like, so the Apple music, it gives you the option to be able to listen to comedians. Nice. So I've listened to Joe Rogan, stand up, Dimitri Martin, uh, Anthony Chesnick, um, oh, Tom Segura, mm-hmm. um, Ari, Ari, uh, uh yeah. Uh, I don't know him that well. Bill Burr. He's one of my Bill favorites. Burr. He's hilarious. Oh, my gosh. Well, you'll find that Bill Burr isn't actually that funny once you start listening to these other guys. These other guys? I, li- oh, I, I like Bill Burr. I like Bill Burr a lot, and I listen to Bill Burr. And he's also got – he had his own podcast for a while. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. And so I would listen to his podcast every now and then. Cool. <laughs> but, um, but you find out Bill Burr isn't the funniest after you. There's this one guy. I can't think of his name. He's a real big Italian guy. Joey Diaz. His name's Joey Diaz. Okay. And he tells his whole entire life story. And when I talk about, like, his whole life story, he used he grew up in New Jersey, and he moved from New Jersey to Colorado, Steamboat Springs, Colorado, which is where I went to college, right? Crazy. He goes there. He grew up in a, in a Coke neighborhood. He started doing Coke whenever he was a kid, and then he went over to... Steamboat Springs, Colorado, and he starts dealing drugs and stealing. Oh, he, he knew how to pick a lock. Basically, he waited until all the everybody had left for work, and he go around. And he, it was one of those new locks came out where you could. He, <laughs> but <laughs> it's less of a com- comedic, and it's more of just like him telling a story. Right, he's just a funny guy. Yeah, he calls it the testicle. <laughs> test test him is tested let's, let's get this very clear here joey diaz um joey coco diaz uh where did they go oh my gosh i think that they might have taken them off Wow. Yeah, you you can't you can't listen to him. Uh, it was like testicle testimonies or something. No kidding. And there was yeah, and there was there was there was there was five albums of it of him just kind of telling his story, his life story. No kidding. Mm-hmm. And they're not there. Now now we got that one, which I'm not going to say out loud. Gotcha. 
<laughs> but but that's 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 him. <laughs> I mean, that's that's both atrocious and really funny. <laughs> got it. Got it. It looks like a soprano. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. So, anywho. So you asked me why I do this. I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out. I'm still trying to kind of figure it out because I haven't I haven't done one of these in a while. Mm. The last one was with um he actually texted me today. Hmm. I should text him back. It's my uh my buddy uh now I look like a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> just no, no, go ahead, text him. Jason. Back. No, no, not that not that I'm texting while I'm in, you know, recording a live podcast <laughs> with you, but because I couldn't think of his name. Um but I should. I'm gonna say recording a, another my testimony. But no, I I met him at uh, the the place I, I volunteer at down there at Hope Faith. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. My brother-in-law used to work there. Yeah. Yeah, he was in charge of their like outreach programs or something for a long time. Yeah. I'm I'm. I would like to. Oh, I met this guy at uh, church today. He uh, apparently works with Christian entrepreneurs. <laughs> Never well, had anyone like turn me, uh, shake my hand, and like talk to me and, at that church. <laughs> uh, who? What was his name? And Ralph. Ralph. Yeah. 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 Uh, I have his card here. Yeah, he's. Um, yeah, I know Ralph. This is gonna. Uh, did, I, did I show you my card? Is this? Uh, that's my card. Oh, that's slick. Well, the the it wasn't cut correctly, but oh, it it's nice. supposed to look like a Polaroid picture. All right, let me see. But this is join the movement Agora Enterprise. Ralph Metzger, Chief Innovation Officer. So Ralph, you know, works for my dad. Oh, what? Yeah, Agora is a uh, ministry that my dad started. No way. Yeah. And so they work together. My dad is in Africa right now doing uh, business's yeah. mission. Yeah. So uh, I, I don't know if Ralph's going on this trip or not. No, he is. He is? Uh, yeah, he said that he's leaving like this Friday. Oh, cool. And I tried squeezing in a meeting. And I was like, dude, I'm f- I didn't say dude, but I said, sir, <laughs> sir. <laughs> Mr. Ralph. <laughs> Mr. Ralph. Yeah. I am free all week long. Nice. Like, let's find he's a time. He's a good dude. He's but a good dude. Ralph is great. He said he'll be gone for until like for a month, month and a half or something. Yeah. Yeah, my dad's been gone for like t- uh, two, three weeks. He'll be gone for about another. But he's in Africa right now training entrepreneurs. Yeah, what? about <laughs> twice a year. That's what he does. That's his ministry. Oh, yeah. We yeah, just opened cool. up a can of worms. Yeah. I yeah, wish so he, you know, he's a businessman. Yeah. He's, and, you know, owned and operated successful businesses and on two different continents and two different states. And, you know, one in Wales, one in, the, in England, one in st louis one in miami you know so he's he's got some some business savvy for sure yeah and then uh, and so now he's doing it you know to help uh entrepreneurs in developing countries specifically christian entrepreneurs and so why christian entrepreneurs why aren't everybody well you know because there's a mandate a biblical mandate for mm-hmm. you to to be generous yes and that's been kind of a a sort of scarlet thread in every one of my dad's companies is that he's always used the profits to help others and to help further the the advancement of the kingdom sure so you know to help build hospitals that's what i told people for a while whenever they ask me why do you do the podcast i'm like to further 
king, uh, further the kingdom. Yeah. Just, just tell them that. Hey, that's good enough. <laughs> don't <laughs> ask me anything reason. else. I don't know. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. So, so he and I, so, you know, back to Miami. Yeah. All right. So I'm in Miami now. Okay. And, and, and so this is going to segue into me joining, working for my dad in one of his businesses. <clears throat> so we moved to Miami. And I get a job as a, as a stockbroker in training at the age of 19. Mm-hmm. And I get my license. And there's no, you know, no 19-year-old has any business telling anyone else what to do with their money in, in stocks. But that was what did I did. Did you have a deeper voice? I mean, like. Uh, I mean, then I had a British you accent. You have a little bit of a. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we already covered that. So it was a piece of cake. Uh, give me your money. Don't worry. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> like, sure. Uh, no, but you know, you, and, it, and it was very kind of boiler room esque, yeah. right? Uh, this it was a shady, shady kind of company. So anyway, I was 19 and I saw the wheels coming off the bus of this, this company that I worked for, a small little company on Brickell Avenue in, in, uh, Miami. And I'm new to Miami. I was still trying to figure things out. And the, my first career job is with a shady stockbroker company. Yeah. And uh, and so one day the owner of the company comes in to us and he's like, all right, guys, we've got a couple of guys from the SEC here, Securities and Exchange Commission. They regulate all brokerage companies in the country. And uh, they're just going to be hanging out, doing like a routine sort of, you know, checking our books and stuff. So, you know, sh- should be in and out within a couple of days. So a week goes by, they're still there. Two weeks go by, a month goes by, and then he meets with us all again. Ah, you know, it's no big deal. They're just helping us tidy up a few things and blah, 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 blah. Another month goes by. These guys have set up an office within our office, and they're plowing through absolutely everything. I'm like, this is not a routine thing. <laughs> and I've heard a lot of rumors about some shady stuff going on behind the scenes at this company that I work for. So I happen to be at Burger King for lunch one day by myself, and I see the two investigators that have been camped out in our office for three months having a burger. So I just cozy up next to them. At this point, I'm... Am I 20? I might be 20. And I cozy up next to these guys. I'm like, hey, so, you know, how's it going? You know, we kind of shoot the breeze for a bit. How's it going? Yeah, that's that's (laughs) right. Enjoying my my chicken sandwich. And I'm like, so, I'm like, look, just level with me. Do I need to be looking for another job? And they were like, look, we can't, we're not supposed to talk about the investigation. But off the record, just man to man. Get the heck out of there as quickly as you can. <laughs> oh my and God. so I was like, done. I took my next paycheck and left a resignation letter, um, and I got out of there. And The owner of that place is probably still in prison. I don't know what happened to it in the end, um, but I, I got hired by another brokerage company at the other end of the street within a quarter mile of, of this other place. Oh, so you... So I'm stockbroker at another place now. At another place. It's kind of like being a server at a restaurant. Is that like you're like, yeah, I've, I have experience. <laughs> exactly. Like I know enough, what I'm getting myself into. Serve enough investment advice. No, but this was a legit company. It was the oldest stockbrokering company in the state of Florida. And I yeah. think they hired me because they thought I might be the youngest stockbroker in the state of Florida. So you're like, isn't that cool? Oldest <laughs> thing and the youngest guy. And whatever. We'll train you. Don't worry, kid. So they gave me a job and I started working for them and – and my other, uh, my former employer finds out about it. And the next thing I know, I've been served with um, a lawsuit. And I'm 19, and they're suing me for $50,000 of training and uh, whatever other expenses incurred. 
And so I have to hire an attorney at 19 <laughs> and fight this thing. And, uh, you know, my dad, I mean, helped me. He, he really paid for it. You know, he helped me navigate all of this. And he was like, all right, this is, this is. I mean, what was the angle? It was that I had signed an employee contract. And in there it said that if within my first two years of gaining my license, um, I went to work for another brokerage company, I would reimburse them for $50,000 of training expenses. And it was a clause in, in the employee manual. So, uh, th you know, the... But you could basically say that you were... They were getting shut down. Yeah. They were doing illegal stuff, and my name and reputation was going to be tarnished. Not to mention that it's a no-compete It's a no compete clause. Uh, Which means that, yeah. It means, so, and, and no-compete clauses... Oh, I got to sell these penny stocks. <laughs> right. right. No-compete no, no clauses never hold up in court oh, yeah. because you can't prevent someone from working legally. Sure. You can't say you cannot go and work over here or, or yeah. whatever. Um, and what they were asking for, for reimbursement for training expenses was just egregious $50,000. I mean, come on. At that time it was a hundred thousand. Yeah. I, I mean, it was, yeah, or this, this was like, this was like 2000. This was like the year 2000. So yeah. So it's been, yeah. It was, it Roughly, was a lot it would of be like eighty, ninety thousand today. Most likely, something, yeah, something like that. So it was, it was just an absurd amount of money, as if they spent that on my training, which sure. was really here's a book, study it, go get your license, and then yeah. So I mean, even if you tripled my salary and <laughs> all of my commissions earned, I wouldn't. You're you not know. gonna get. You're not gonna get your money. No, no. No, were oh. you were you were you selling penny stocks? No, no, we were selling legit well, stocks. Like, like what that. stocks? The first stock did you sell I any ever, Apple? Uh, no, I didn't. But there was a the guy, the top selling broker in our office, uh, traded uh, op, uh, Apple options. That was all he traded, just Apple options, um, and he crushed it. Just made a killing. Um, he's got to be a billionaire today. I mean, he's he's I'm sure doing just fine. Because it used to be, I looked at it the other day. It was a dollar in like the '80s, somewhere around that. And then um, it's now like three hundred and sixty-five dollars. So like, well, yeah, a dollar became three sixty-five. Well, Ten dollars at a zero. Yeah, well, and you know, I wonder how many times they split the stock, right? So if the price of a stock gets too high, that you start weeding out investors who can't afford one share. Yeah. Then you can split the stock. You can double the amount of stocks that you offer, and then cut the price of the stocks in half. So if you own 100 shares, now you own 200 shares, but the actual price of the stock has just gone down by 50%. So the value of the company is the same. Your investment value is the same, but now it's a more accessible price point. Oh, so you knock really? the stock down. Oh, it's kind of like uh, gambling, uh, like whenever you split the cards. Exactly right. Huh. So you can do that. You can do a stock split. And so, yes, it's gone from a dollar to $300, but it's probably, I don't know if they've split. I'm sure they have. Yeah. Um, and they've probably done that at least two, three times. You know, it's more like going from a dollar to a thousand dollars, not a dollar to three fifty. I have been getting I get my I now I get my news from my my stock app. I'll kind of just like go through my top stories mm -hmm. and 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 I'll go through that. I have been. If I, <laughs> I would love to be able to hop into it. I just don't have the capital. I don't have the money to do it. You yeah. have to like, it's like 
Like I'll go to the casino and I'll I'll, I'll spend. Last time I went to the casino was Reno. Two. Not this past winter, but the winter last last winter. And I walked in there with a hundred bucks. <clears throat> and by the way, all their tables are twenty five dollar minimum, and it's so stupid. Mm. Or at least all the ones that they told me were that were there. So I had to sit down at that. So I ordered a drink for twenty five dollars, lost it. But another twenty five dollars, my fifty, back up. <laughs> all right, put twenty five down. Okay, lost it. <laughs> you know, screw it. Let's re- put fifty. <laughs> I lost a hundred dollars before my drink even like right. got back to me. <laughs> so expensive drink. So like I have yeah and, and yeah, it was a hundred dollars and it was a story to tell like a yeah. hundred dollars in Reno, yeah. but like I've got a hundred dollars to put into this and so like I've got this penny stock that I've been watching and as soon as I feel like okay this is it, I'm gonna put like ten bucks in it <laughs> or a hundred dollars and and then watch it go. But it's this this drone stocks. company. Oh, the drone company. Yeah. Okay. And and maybe you can kind of tell me what it looks like, but oh, they used to be. Oh, jeez. This is going back almost 20 years. I haven't done <laughs> stocks in forever. And I never did penny stocks. So th- this is what I know about. I'm going to tell you everything I know about penny stocks in about 30 <laughs> seconds. Because uh, that's how limited my knowledge is. They are... Um, Drone Delivery Canada Corp. So they're a Canadian-based company trading on on what? Oh, the, the penny stock market. All right, so. There's a penny stock market? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it used to be called the Pink Pages, I think it was. This was back when when you, you had to get your stock, your stock info from the. Uh, Printouts. Uh, yeah, from the Financial Times. Yeah. And the pink pages were all the, the penny stocks. So yeah. So you just pull those out, and there, there they all were. Um, so anyway, that's what they used. We used to call it the, the pink page or the pink stocks or something like that. Anyway, so, uh, you know, <clears throat> what makes the difference between a penny stock and a non-penny stock? Well, for a penny stock to grow significantly, either some crazy rumor happens – that just drives people like all of a sudden they get crazy press for something that's good press. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll, like it'll, apparently it'll, that happened right there. That's what it looks like, right? Something happened right there yeah. to cause this spike, or they get bought by another company. That's the best case scenario. Yeah, like that merger that happened with Sprint and their stock prices doubled. Yeah, I mean any overnight. Anytime there's a merger and you can invest in the smaller of the two companies, you're gonna be great. Really. Yeah, Pre- pretty much. Like pretty much. Sprint was at four, and then now it's like at eight. But you need uh, to you need to own it before that news gets out. <laughs> Clearly, yeah. Right. So well, that's like Nintendo, Nintendo dropped uh, that uh, Pokemon Go. Everybody played Pokemon Go. Everybody was talking about it. Oh my yeah. gosh! And you go and you look at it, and you're like, oh, why didn't I think to just? Why didn't I? Why didn't I just? Yeah. Throw a hundred bucks in that. But yeah, I like the idea of gambling uh, when it's not gambling. I think that going into Reno with $100, knowing I'd probably lose it. Okay. It's entertainment. You're yeah. paying for entertainment. Yeah. You're not trying to actually increase your, you know, 
your net worth. But I will say this. I told myself if GoPro dropped below $4, I'd throw some in that. I think GoPro is going to be something that is going to catch people by surprise. People aren't going to stop videotaping themselves Mm-mm. anytime so soon. GoPro is trading at four less, almost, mm. uh, it's it's four four thirty right now, or four fifty, four oh five, four dollars and five cents. Cool. I wonder what their um, their peak was eighty five dollars. Oh man. Yeah, it just went. Yeah. Why? What happened? Um. It was 2014 that it dropped. Yeah, well, I can tell you why. So in, in 2014, that would have been... Um, would that have been... The Winter Olympics would be in 2016, right? Mm-hmm. No, that was the Summer Olympics. So yeah, 2014 would have been the Winter Olympics. Okay. So it spiked for the Winter Olympics... And then that popularity went down. Interesting. Well, I don't know. I look at their history of earnings. And so every... Also, Best Buy, they probably put way too many of those stupid marketing stands in Best Buy. And Best Buy is kind of going downhill, too. Yeah, maybe. Um, You know, look at what they project their earnings to be and whether or not they hit it. Um, so, So, you know was the best buy thing a, a, did it pay off or not well y- you'll know because they'll either hit their earnings or they'll come close or they'll miss them entirely yeah um and so you can get that by you know digging in there and, and finding your research or you could call them and just ask them for an investment package um they usually have them they'll just send you one really it'll talk about it'll you know a lot of the time it'll it'll show you their earnings yeah. over the last however many years and um you know well, I've, I've got like I've got like three beefs that like if I can if I can iron those out. One being under four dollars. Number two is that the correct vlogging camera. They're almost there. They they just released one that is they're on the right path to being a good vlogging camera. Hmm. <clears throat> but um, number three. But that's our segment on stocks. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> that's right. It's they intrigue me. They really do. I'm very interested in just kind of like because um, I heard Kanye and Lil Wayne drop a uh, a line about a pair of shoes, mm-hmm. stilettos, a specific brand. And I was like, I wonder if they're publicly they're public. So I get on there and I go and I go to that year that they rapped mm-hmm. about it. And sure enough, yeah, spike. I should have a different sound for whenever there's a spike up because it's the same <laughs> as the going down. <laughs> Weep. So it's this used to up. this used to have um, um, uh, cigars. Oh, nice. Yeah. So like, I would put I would put them in there, and then and then I, when I have guests like this, I would go, "Would you like a cigar?" Nice. They would just <laughs> they, they would be in out. there. Yeah. Awesome. It's unfortunate because I know you smoke you, you smoke cigars, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, I do. I mean, not tons, but yeah. I and I have so I smoked cigarettes for like ten years. It's yeah. Part of part of my uh, my black sheeping in uh, the UK. Yeah, I picked up smoking at the age of like fifteen. 
And, Did you uh, drink? T- I mean, you you oh drink yeah. at 15, couldn't you? Well, no. I mean, legally, you drink at uh, 18. But it's the but UK. Y- it, you know, it's drinking is part of the culture. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, everybody starts drinking at like 16. So, uh, so, yeah. So I smoked pretty heavily for about 10 years. And then finally kicked it in my mid-20s. And, uh, and then in the last few years, so my dad smoked cigars. And yeah. I always loved you know, smoking cigars. But after I quit smoking, I just quit everything for a long time. And just in the last few years, started smoking cigars. But I've put rules on to rules and parameters around how frequently I can do it because I'm really nervous that I would like crack the door open to my cigarette habit. The Nuremberg cigar trials. You put very restrictions some rules in place so, so do you inhale is that no one of you, no no you don't so mm-hmm. that's one of your rules is that yeah that's one of the rules and like you know it's uh you know a a, a big hand rolled cigar you can't inhale that you'll yeah. die yeah you know it's not supposed to be inhaled you know it's just supposed to be enjoyed oh man i've been smoking black and mild and so just yeah i mean that's just a cigarette that's it's a pack of cigarettes i'm pretty sure that one of them is like equivalent to a pack of cigarettes. Uh, probably I mean, it's uh, it's, but it's hey, more you know, than sometimes, one cigarette. Sometimes, sometimes, guys like me, they, you just got you just got to you got to smoke a whole pack of cigarettes yes. in one sitting. You know, sometimes you do. It does wonders for your anxiety. And it does. <laughs> you know, it does. It's, <laughs> it's bad though. Some. I mean, I've had three black and milds. I impress myself with how much I can torture my body. Like smoking three black and milds in one day. I think I, I I go and visit my buddy. I'm going to see him next week. Um, big YouTube guy. Um, he's kind of a piece of why that's like inspired me to do something like this. Cool. Anyway, he uh, he and I we smoke black miles like crazy. <laughs> I'm I'm telling you like, and and I'll let him know. You know, I'll, I'm coming down. He'll stock up. I'll stop. Well, here's the thing is, <laughs> you won't know that nobody will tell you this except for me and Scuba. is his name. Is that <laughs> you can't buy uh, five packs of uh, Black Mild Jazz wood tips in Kansas. But you can in Missouri. Okay. So I'm always like. Okay, so you got to stock up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got I, it. I will. I will. I'll get you. I'll, we'll get some. We'll get some fire packs, and I'll come down there, and we'll we'll go through like ten in a day, <laughs> like between both of us. Can you imagine smoking ten, like five? That's, that's a lot, man. Black and mild cigars. But we do it. Why? Why do we? It's like a it's something you do. It's almost like a ritual, yeah. you know. Yeah. Well, like my brother, my younger brother now. So I, I also have a younger brother. I haven't even talked about him, but. He's coming into town next week, and when he does, we'll always we'll we'll smoke a couple cigars together. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's one of our things. Right, is he getting? Let's get him to climb. Yeah, so he got me into climb. That, yeah, yeah. He was uh, so he joined the navy. We were roommates together in Miami, and he joined the navy. So you have Served. a smart older brother and yeah. a badass younger brother. He is a badass. He's great. Yeah, uh, and he and I are very similar in a lot of ways. In a lot of ways, where. Uh, <laughs> You know, we have, I think, a lot of the same sort of skills, and um, I don't know. He's, yeah, he's great. He's great. Now he's a lot bigger than me. He's, you know, six one or six two. He's 
Because you're kid. what? You're five two? Five three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <not that>. <laughs> <laughs> Don't hurt me. <laughs> I'm five nine. I'm five, five nine. nine. That's that's average. It's okay, average. Yeah. Average height. There's a guy I work with, my boss, Trace. He's also five nine. And he's always like, Yeah, I mean <laughs> a number of times he's pulled me aside and be like, you know that when a five nine guy says, Yeah, I'm five nine you're not five nine. You gotta take off two inches. Like we're all doing it. So, like we're all lying about it. We're all actually five seven, but we think like five nine is somehow better than five seven. And well, like no, I'm legitimately five nine. He's like, no, you're not. No, you're not. You do you know? Do you know how tall I am? Uh. Uh-uh. If you were to guess, five nine. <laughs> uh, my personality is a five niner, but uh, I'm a. I don't know. I was gonna try to do the Sam Sam Ryan thing, but <clears throat> I'm five eleven and three quarters. So you're six feet. I mean, it's like no, it's like the it's the, it's like the five nine of like of <laughs> of right. like it's like you know what I mean. <laughs> Just say you're six feet. Just do it. Just I do, do it. but I feel so. I feel like I'm lying. Ah, it's like yeah, with my Vans on. Right, six <laughs> feet with my Vans on. Yeah. Like six one with my dress shoes on. <laughs> That's fine. Well, you know, so I think it's better to be shorter than taller. Because for taller people, now, now you know, there's a point at which this doesn't, this breaks down. This argument breaks down. Like once you get too tall, then this is this totally falls apart. But when you're like six one, six two, life comes a lot easier for you than when you're like five six, five seven, right? When you're walking, you don't take as many steps. When you're reaching for things, it's not as far out of your reach. You just don't have to work that hard. Life just kind of comes to you a bit on a silver platter. But when you're shorter... We're talking about privilege here. (laughs) We're talking about... No, I'm not... Oh, no, I'm diving... No, this is 100%. This is real. This is real. I know what you're talking about. So when you're younger... Yeah. Or when you're younger, when you're smaller... Yeah. You got to work harder. Yeah. So it builds character. Sure. So you get tough. Yeah. And you learn how to hold your own as a, as a shorter person. Yeah. So there you go. That's why you want to be, you want to be, if you got to choose to be tall or short. Sure. You want to, sh- you want to be short. You don't want to be too short and you don't want to be too tall. Yeah. Right. Cause obviously like there's a point to where well, I think when you're six, six and you're getting on a plane, you're like, life sucks for me. And the, yeah. the like, you know, five, six. Uh, and when you're looking like, for shoe sizes too. Yeah, that's Here's right. the beauty. So I went to REI today. Um, I'm trying to get some new climbing shoes. Yeah, did you pick some out? Um, so they had some 510s up there. Cool. <laughs> Don't ever go to REI. <laughs> like, their service is av- – and I was reading it on the drive. Also, don't read Yelp reviews and drive. <laughs> but That's uh, good advice. Yes. So I used to – this is kind of funny. So you know how like I've like annexed my – maybe that's not the right word but got rid of like pretty much all my apps. Mm-hmm. I kept Yelp. <laughs> and so if you don't have Snapchat, you tend to get on Facebook. If you don't have Facebook, you tend to get on Instagram. You don't have Snapchat and Facebook. If you don't have Snapchat, Facebook, and Instagram, you get on Yelp and you just start reading reviews. <laughs> there's some really good ones on there. <laughs> and while you're pooping, you know, you just <laughs> scrolling through the Yelp some reviews. reading material. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Here's, here's a fun. I, I got to share this with you. But don't I can't forget about this REI thing. Okay, I tell you, I also drink a Mountain Dew at five o'clock. Not good. I recommend that to nobody. I'm gonna be up till like one o'clock in the morning, maybe. 
that's all right. But making music, doing vlogs, doing something. Go for it. Vlog about making music. Vlogging about music. Two birds, one stone. I like it. I was streaming for a while, uh, live, like making music and streaming, like as I produced. But um, turns out there's not much of a market. You got to have a name for yourself before you start streaming. I'm sure. Like clearly, Joe Rogan was on Fear Factor. Right, right, right. But anyway, so we have two things right here that I got to share with you. REI sucks customer service. (laughs) So I, this is the benefit of having a size eight shoe, is that the um, display shoes are usually either like a nine or an eight. Hmm. Yeah, I'm a nine. Yeah, it's easy to find. I I can order shoes online. They always fit perfect. Yep. Yep, that they have the, they always, here's the thing too, it's like, oh, we don't have, we don't have that shoe size. That doesn't happen to me. Yeah. Because the display shoe is my shoe size. So I'll just walk home with a discounted shoe. Right. Because I always get that discount. It's on display. Yeah. Like, take a little scuff right here and here. Like, give me, give me a discount. So anyway, I go to REI to find these climbing shoes. There's a seven and a half in there, and there is a um, nine. Try on the nine. Clearly, the nine's too big. Seven and a half is just like almost perfect. Mm. But on Amazon, you can get them for eight. Uh, you can get they don't sell the seven and a half, but they sell an eight for like thirty bucks cheaper. Ooh, nice. Yeah, so I've like determined of that. Now that was the lame story. The other one was something else. I totally f- like. Oh yeah, Yelp reviews. You love this. Right. You yeah. love this story. So I pride myself a bit on first dates. I think first dates are great. It's an opportunity to, to show who, what a creative individual you are. Sure. You sure. know? You're on your best behavior. So are they. Yes. You look, you look and smell better than you ever will. <laughs> yeah. Right? It's, it's yeah. a facade, but whatever. Like, yes. Like if you fart before your date, you run back and get in the shower. Just like <laughs> That's right. That would be perfect. Yeah. Yeah, you you put t- double the amount of deodorant on. Yep. You think of interesting things to talk about. I mean, yeah, you're yeah. you're you are your best version of you on a first date. Yes. Yeah. So, so so if you can strategically plan these dates to where they're. Except the thing is, is that I don't like to plan dates. I just they happen. Well, mm-hmm. we're gonna do this, because I'm a creative guy. So, this girl, I known and met and she was cool and like i was like we're gonna go on a date so we go on a date and the date is this and this is this is whenever i was super into yelp i had all the other apps but i still knew that like pooping and reading yelp reviews is like (laughs) this is an american pastime (laughs) about to be um so we went to like taco places uh taco locations like mm-hmm. that sold tacos and we got one taco from that place nice each sat down and i i i i also walked her through this this is what we're gonna do right talk to you like it was a, hey thanks for going on this date it's gonna be fun i got this idea that we'll go to every taco place in like a five mile radius and we'll um order a taco sit down have a good meal and at the end of it and you can look this up on yelp <laughs> we will rate them on um you know customer service uh the taste mm. um and uh 
the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I like it. And uh, and so we did this. We go to the first place. It's kind of like one of those taco joints where you just walk up to the counter. It's not a Taco Bell. These these were you know right legit taco. Yeah, with taco in the name. Yeah, Taco Republic. No, no taco. taco no something. Taco Bell. No, right. No right, Taco right. Republic even. It, these oh, were nice. like just like. This was down in Kansas, I think. So nice, legit it, little taco stands. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. there was the first one that we went into was kind of like a, eh, but it was good. Yeah. Uh, and the, the, the customer service was great. They came and took our picked up our plate, mm. even though we ordered one taco each, <laughs> and uh, we had water to drink. So we took the waters, uh, left the place, and we've got in my car, and we kind of like together we discussed what what. What could we say here? You know, four, five, three. It was best of five. So then we go to this next place, which is a nicer place. Like the 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 first place was a asshole. <laughs> like got it. So like the customer service, like we're like, wow, this is like cool. Definitely right. five on that. Right. The, the the quality of food, like four, three maybe. So we go to this other place where you would think that like this is a you sit down, this is a nicer kind of. Um, um, first of all, have you ever had a server or a hostess that just like says, yeah, follow me. They don't look at you. They don't make eye contact with you. And they just kind of like, they call you off like party two or whatever. And then they just start walking. <laughs> Not even checking to see if you're behind. Them. Yeah. Just, just like, <laughs> just like, just, I don't care. Uh, side note. I, I went care. to an Olive Garden. They did the same thing, except there was another one that was also walking. And so I'm following her and right. this other one right. had stopped right there. <laughs> right. And, and then like, you got, you end up <laughs> I'm like, and I turn, good, good thing. My, my, my uncle, he just, he, 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 he now walker. <laughs> and, and so he stopped and then like, I turn around and I'm like, Oh, anyway, so we get to this restaurant, we sit down and we bring our waters too. Right. So, um, the, the hostess said like, uh, the waitress will be here in a minute or something. It took her like five minutes, 10 minutes maybe. Felt mm. like 20 minutes mm. to get there. And uh, we ordered one taco each. And um, she asked, you know, like, do you want anything to drink? And we're like, well, we, we've got waters. Um, and she was like really rude about it and was like, it's policy mm. that you put them in our cups. Mm. So like, she brought us empty cups and like we had to pour them and she was just an absolute just not nice person not nice person not nice lady we ended up getting up and walking out of that place didn't Mm. eat the tacos just walked out gave them the worst yelp review ever yeah (laughs) and uh i tell you customer service goes a long way yeah you know i hate poor customer service it drives me nuts it's so easy to just be a nice person you know what I mean? I don't know if I know what you mean because there are times that I have <laughs> trouble being. Oh, no, just absolutely, yeah, a troubled time. I sir, I was a server. You ever? Did you ever serve? I, I was at a pub in <laughs> Wales. In Wales? Yeah. At nineteen? No, younger. 18? Uh, <laughs> how old was I? Seventeen? Yeah, seventeen. I, I like some chips and fish. <laughs> waiter at a pub. It's called the Old Cottage Inn. I walk there from. My Is that house. real? Yeah, the Old Cottage Inn. And um. Thornhill, Wales. Check it out. The the old cottage. Yeah. In. Uh, Wales. 
Yeah, Wales, maybe UK? Thornhill. Uh, yeah. You just type that in, maps. Ye old Cottage Inn. <laughs> Is that it? That's it. <laughs> That's it. Oh, they haven't changed anything. They put a guard around the fire. <laughs> yeah, you know somebody fell in there. <laughs> There's a cat here. Oh on my the bar. Gosh. Sitting on the bar. A cat sitting on the bar. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, man. This is it. What is that? Vampire blood. That is. Yeah. This I mean, that's that was um so I had a paper route. That was my first ever ever quote unquote job. This was my first ever real job. First ever job that I paid taxes. That was it. At ye old cottage inn. <laughs> ye old so cottage funny. inn. That was it. Right there. I was not a very good server. There's this, uh, yeah, I was not a very good server. I should probably take back that comment I made. You weren't a good server? No, I was not. I was not. I, I tried to be. I was just Here's a 16 years old. Here's a quick little server uh, story is I worked at the first place that I ever served. Um, was two two years after um, I might have told you this but two years after I had surgery on my shoulder my labrum and I still can't oh you can't hold the, the thing I can it's just I, I can only go so far so if I were to take said drink mm. off of the mm -hmm. eight of other drinks and you were over yonder the, the farther that I reach, the more that you have to turn your hand this way, right? Right. The farther that I go. Now, I was not even capable of, like, let me do it. Like, I should not have been. There's this a a group of Asian family of six, seven. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was a uh, autistic boy that was here. And then there was a grandmother of 70, 80 years old here. I spilled these drinks all over the table, and I have never seen <laughs> move so quickly yeah, and just bolt out there. And I, like, throw my hands down on the table and, like, stop right. everything. But I've never seen Asians move so quickly in my yeah. life. Like, they, like, I'm not just talking the older the gal and the, the, the stick, but they just went. Whoosh. They were out of there. Yeah. Nice. They were so sweet afterwards. Nice. Um, I got fired the next week. <laughs> I uh, that was a there was this one time I was at the old cottage inn, and we were doing I don't know I was bringing them some plate and it had been under the heat lamps for a while and it was just burning my hand like crazy it was so hot and so I get to the table, and I'm like hey you know who ordered this and it wasn't my table I was just helping another server sure so I get there I'm like all right who ordered this and they're all just sort of like ah, Lottie dying around I'm like who ordered this come on like you know it's burning the crap out of my hand. So finally, this lady's like, oh, it's me. So I just kind of like threw it down there. And some of the food just kind of schlops off <laughs> the end. And then it like, as the plate comes down, it whacks her wine glass like this. And it's teetering and it's going over real slow. And so I grab it like this. I just went, bam, and caught it. And went, whoa. And it's all sloshing around my fingers. And I just went, oh, man, that was a close one. And just walked away. <laughs> I didn't even think, like, my whole fist was inside her glass of wine. And then you just put it back? And then I just put it back on her coaster, shook my hand, like, <laughs> on the table, you know, wiped it on the tablecloth. Oh, man, that was close. Oh, and then geez. I walked away. Oh, geez, sorry oh, about that. What? What? <laughs> yeah, because, yeah, you know, they were mostly Irish <laughs> in <laughs> Wales.
Oh, isn't that true though that they uh the english hate the irish they don't really get along uh so you know every so the uk is funny there's so there's scotland england wales northern ireland that makes up the uk and then there's the southern Re- ireland the republic of ireland so southern ireland yeah um, which is not a part of the uk correct and so all right so is it still like that yeah okay yeah yeah um, and the Republic of Ireland, they, I think, I'm going to speak with a lot of naivety here. And bear in mind, all of my experiences of the UK were in the 90s, 80s and 90s. Mm-hmm. So this is dated. But my understanding is everyone in the Republic of Ireland loves being part of the UK. Everyone, I'm sorry, everyone in, in Northern Ireland loves mm-hmm. being part of the UK. Everyone in the Republic of Ireland really wants Northern Ireland to be theirs and they want to be sovereign. Yeah. So that's the rift. People in Northern Ireland are like, no, we're good. And people in the Republic of Ireland are like, no, you're not. You're really not good. Like, this is our country. It's one country. Yeah. How dare the English divide us and whatever. All right. So in general, the UK is a united country, right? The United Kingdom. Yeah. So when they go to the Olympics, they go as either the UK or Great Britain or whatever. So there's Same Irishmen thing. that potentially compete as... There's northern people from Northern Ireland who, in the Olympics, will compete as British, okay. as the UK. All right, but then within, so th- it's united. But then within the UK, all of the other countries. So Wales is a country, but it's part of the UK. Scotland is a country, but it's part of the UK. Yeah. Northern Ireland is it's is a country, but it's part of the UK. They all have their own flags, their own languages, but it's part of the UK. And then England too. Um, Everyone collectively hates the English, right? <laughs> and the English kind of, kind of collectively, collectively hate, hate everybody, everybody else. else. And uh, and so and there's some sort of common bond because the English have the most money. Yeah, well, and the history's not good, right? So the English invaded Scotland and just brutalized everybody, and then they did the same in Wales and Ireland or whatever. That's so, so crazy. Yeah, and, and, so and like we're over here in America, and people are like the Indians. <laughs> Um, I mean, we did th- some terrible things to the Indians. Th- well, and we did, and and the UK. I mean, the history there. It's just, you know, it's been conquered. It's way and more long. It's like long- so many times. Yeah, you know, and allegiance has shifted so many times over the thousands of years that it's been around. You know, but it's like a group of. Um, um I don't know. Maybe you know this, but. Uh, um, I, I have girls that I graduated with that are still friends with like eight other girls that I graduated with. <laughs> <laughs> so like this, I like this. So, and I think that they're going to be friends another 20 years. Right. So like, you know, we met five years ago, but like now we're becoming, you know, better buddies here and now and continue that but like we haven't known each other for like right we don't have tons of history yeah Yeah. so like you know we don't there's there's not a lot of beef and it's just you and i right right hopefully there's some other people that join the circle sure right but it's you and i i'd like to meet who your brother is so that we'd probably get along pretty well if he's a totally he's crazy navy guy he's great yeah he's not crazy he's he's pretty chill you'd like him okay he's great he's great okay yeah we'll hang out but these high school girls that never 
graduated high school. Like, that's kind of how I see, like, over in Europe. It's like, they've kind of been, like, this group of people for, like, going on 60, 60th anniversary of high school. Right. <laughs> right. And, like, America's right. in there, like, you know, uh, me walking in and being, like, uh, here's my third wife. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and they're still like all together, just kind of like, why, why, why couldn't we be Sam's third wife? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> now I'm just getting too creative with this. It's, uh, it's a film I'm working on. That's, that's right. I plan on, uh, I plan on doing this. Yeah. It's all every, every wife represents a country. Yes. <laughs> Got it. Precisely. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's interesting. The UK is a, it's a, it's awesome. It's a, it's a great place. Have you been back? Not in a long time. Last time I was there, uh, so I had a um, layover, like a 12-hour layover in London yeah. a few years ago. And that was the first time I'd been back since like 2002, 2003, something like that. Mm-hmm. And so that was cool. But I haven't really been back since early 2000s. You got to go back. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to. I'd love to go back to my hometown and you know retrace my childhood I want to climb that would be cool there's some climbing spots probably yeah oh I'm sure there are I'm sure mm-hmm. there are no doubt put it yeah, on that'd the be cool let's put that on the to-do list yeah the the jointed uh Jake and Sam bucket list got it go climb it's interesting UK. when you meet somebody new and you become like is that like there's a bucket list that starts forming right you yeah. know what I mean yeah like this sure it's like like at some point we're gonna climb something outside yeah, that's that's like that's easy. Yeah, it'll happen. I'm sure. And then and then climb in, in England. Let's try that. Let's do it. Put it on the I list. like 50. Put it on the list. Man, my 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 um, I'm getting calloused. I didn't think that I would. Yeah, it's hard, man. It's hard on the hands. I got um. So when I started climbing, I got crazy callous and then they sort of they kind of mellow out after a while it's kind of weird your skin gets tough but it's not like like i don't know it gets supple again but still tough but then i started working out using kettlebells recently and dude those things straight tore up my hands i thought that my hands were in good like climbing condition because they get tough climbing really tough and uh you know i remember i was helping a friend demo his kitchen and he had gloves on, and I didn't. I was grabbing splintered wood, and it was no big deal. Yeah. Like, your hands are just, they're callous enough that you can kind of get away with that kind of stuff. And then I started swinging kettlebells, thinking, oh, this will be easy. And it just straight tore up my hands, man. I got a chunk out of my hand there. I've got, like, this callus here just tore open the other day. Like, it is another level of brutality. Well, I, so I did long hair, and so I came from that. And for a while, I just, but it wasn't until that eight-hour gym session that I went on yesterday. Did I tell you that? No. Yeah, I was in the gym for like eight hours. Oh, jeez. I mean, that's, you might be overdoing it. Well, that's the cost of like making friends with everybody in the gym. Yeah. yeah because yeah, you're yeah. like, you're leaving. You climb with everyone. Yeah. yeah. I, so I, I got there at like 1130. And so I climbed for like an hour by myself. And then I went and sat down and started reading. It's like, maybe I'll see a buddy come in here and we'll go hit top rope for a little bit or something like that. Um, sure enough, my buddy Pico comes walking in. Pico, what's up, man? 
he goes, are you, are you done? Or are you, are you going to climb? Uh, are you starting or what? You know, that's kind of like the lingo that happens. Yeah, you starting right. or finishing. Right, right. So I was like, I'm starting up again. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> let's do this. So I grab shoes, rental shoes, and they go back in. Then he's kind of like worn out a little bit. He wants to go work out. So I'm like, I don't really want to work out. Probably whatever. So I come walking out. Sebastian. Sebastian, what's up, dude? Right. You finishing or you starting? Yeah. I'm, I'm starting, man. <laughs> Let's, Let's go. Let's do it. I'm doing what you're doing. Let's go. Let's yeah. do it. Let's. So so then we start going. And, and, and I thought he wanted to top rope, but he was like, oh, we're going to boulder. I was like, gosh. Because I, I can top rope all day long, I think. Sure, sure. You know, it's way it, less. It, uh, you on find the, the joints and the tendons. Yeah, yeah, if you're doing like a five eight, then it's you're all right. Yep. But he wanted a boulder, so I was working on that V four, that black one where you have to. Mhm. Mhm. That's one of my faves. I like it. I like it too. I didn't. I got closer, but uh, still haven't. Uh, not the black one that where you swing and not that one, that you uh, still haven't done yet. Uh, no, 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 that that's the V five. That's the V5. Right. The V4 on the, the east wall. Yeah. Yeah. Where you, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I like that one a lot. I think it's, you know, it's funny that climbing is so, like, individual. Mm-hmm. Like, certain climbs are just good for your body type. Yeah. And where you're strong, like, you just feel good. Yeah. That's one where I feel easy. I feel like it should be a V2. And then I see other people grab it, and it's just, it's, it's not suited for them. And it's, it's, like it's the, a struggle. Uh, on that one sp- specifically, it's this right here. Gripping I mean, that here and yeah. pulling yourself into the wall. I mean, it's it's yeah, but it's weird. It's not it's not much chest. Right, right. But your wingspan is a lot wider than mine. Yeah. So for me, I grab it and it just feels like I can grab this all day. Yeah, it's just the perfect amount of distance, I guess. If it was like maybe a foot, like six inches wider on each side, that would be real tough. But it's yeah. right in there. That's just like man. Feels good. Boom. But if my arms were bigger and I had to like, yeah, that would be tough. So it's funny. I tried that one, didn't get up all the way to the top, but I did figure out some like sweet little kick under move that like springs me up. I really like the uh, swinging of the leg and uh, to the outside instead of the inside. Right. Uh, Have you ever seen something like that where? Yeah. Somebody yeah. Will swing? A, uh, like a oh, what do you call it? Uh, it's like a. Like you're supposed to do it on the inside. But right. instead of putting the pressure on your knees, I think is because you'll have to like um, kind of crank your knee and turn it in a direction that's weird. And I don't like doing that to my knees. Mm-hmm. So I'll just keep that kind of tall stance and then swing that behind me. Yeah. And then kind of pistol squat up with that one. Right. Yeah. You like back step. Yeah. It's like a, it, that's what they. Of course, a nobody, of nobody listening to this, they're going to be like, what the hell are they talking <laughs> no, about? I've thought about this, is that actually taking like, taking some uh, footage? Yeah, like going and like making like a vlog. That'd be cool. Yeah. But I just, I can't bring myself to it being that guy in the gym with a video camera. Yeah, you'd have to but, do it when there's no one there. Well, in Missouri, it's a single consent as far oh, as filming. Oh, is that right? Yeah, so I could actually bring it in there. And as long as somebody doesn't, like, complain, then... You'd be okay. Huh, nice. Yeah. But I'm getting to the point where, like, I'm meeting so many people that if I think... I think if I bring it in... The thing is, is that, like, I'm not that 
great of a climber. I'm not like right to be videotaping yourself. Yeah, I think I don't want that reputation. No, especially walking into the gym and like. Yeah. (laughs) But I do. I Sebastian is a buddy that uh, we're supposed to get coffee on Tuesday morning. We're gonna see if he bails. I'm banking that he does. I'm banking how, how early on Tuesday. What is I, this I guy told, like? I told him. I told him six thirty. That's early. Uh, he said, "How you know what time?" Well, I you know asked him, "Hey, you want, you want to get coffee in the morning?" He goes, "Oh, I got I got school in the morning." I'm like, "Ah, okay." And then I was like, um, "What about Wednesday?" Because Tuesday didn't work. He had school in the morning, so I go, "How about Wednesday?" He goes, "Wednesday will work." And I go, "All right, seven a.m." And he goes, oh. <laughs> and he goes. Well, we could do Tuesday in that case. <laughs> and I go. What do you mean? <laughs> what time's class? He goes nine o'clock. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. That's right. So I was like, so shoot for six thirty. Um, if you make it by seven, that's fine. But I'll be there by six thirty. Anyway, he's he's B nine B ten probably climber. Sheesh, killer. Nineteen year old kid. Oh, dude, that's hardcore. Yeah. So I, I, I'm thinking I want to like, you know, it, um, I want to warm up the video camera in the climbing gym by, hey, uh, maybe let's let's show me the different holds, you know, like educate me. Because yeah. I'm at that point where like I have like this um, naivety to like know the questions that people ask on the computer and want to like right. know, you know, like. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. What's the novice climber asking? Yeah. When you get too good, you lose connection with, with that. Yeah. Like you forget. And I feel like I, cool. I, I'm, I'm like in this very, um, you, you should do it in the cave. Have you been to the cave? Oh yeah. Yeah. Do it in the cave. Like if you, I used to go there cause that's right next to my office. Yeah. I used to go there over lunch instead of driving up North. Yeah. And then I got burned out on it cause it's kind of cavey. You know, uh-huh. it, there's no natural light in there at all. And, you know, you do that every day for a few weeks and you start going a little nuts. But, but dude, I would go in there for lunch and it was rare that another person would come in. Really? It was me for like two hours. And I remember uh, talking to the guy, well, the, whoever was working. And um, a bunch of times they would say, dude, you're the only person who's come in today. So you could set up whatever rig you wanted and you wouldn't really bother anyone. Really? Yeah. Do the holds thing. Talk through some jargon or whatever. Holds one oh one. Yeah. Um. Because for me, I'm like, I'm like, I, I'm. I want to be able to. I want to do the the. The hangboard. Hangboard. I really want to do the hangboard, but everywhere I'm seeing is like, no. Don't do it until after two years of climbing. Yeah. And I get that. And I understand that. But. Nobody has explained that, like, you know, it could take, le- like, why? No, I haven't gotten, like, a why. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, what I heard was you, you, it takes a long time for your tendons to get strong enough to where you can really pull on them and yeah. not pop one. Yeah. And if you pop one, you're out for a long time because the recovery time on that is just outrageously long. It's like a year. You sit out for a year. Um so that's why everybody's super conservative with like don't touch the hangboard until you've been around climbing for a couple of years. So I I started doing the hangboard after 
six months of climbing. Yeah. Very, uh, like, tentatively. So I would only do it, like, once a week. And I wouldn't do this, the tiniest crimp on the hangboard. Sure. I'd find something that would go, like, two knuckles deep, maybe, and start there. And I wouldn't really push it. Uh, and then the next day I would test. And a good way of testing is when you bend your finger the opposite way. If you have shooting pain, go in the opposite way. Like give it a good push. If you have shooting pain, go in the opposite way. Then your tendons are, are f- flaring up and you need to rest them. My right and seems a whole lot better than my left. Yeah. Well, what are you doing? I mean, like, are you... Yeah, just, like, like bend them at the knuckle here, bend them there. Like, bend them in the sort of opposite way that you're, you pull on them. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think I'm all right. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, and don't overdo it. You know, give it a try. Don't go wild. Don't go on the tiniest crimp and start, like, seeing how many pull-ups you can do. Yeah. You know, um, your pinky will just fly off. My biggest problem is that, like, I'll be going halfway up this V V one, and I'll know it, and then I'll remember. Oh, there's that cute girl behind me. <laughs> Shoot, I should probably just take my legs off this wall and just climb up the rest of it. And I will, and I will do that. I will do just that. Flip my legs off and climb up that. You know that V one, that red one. I don't know. The one that has a real th- just sticking out just holds that just anybody just cake holds right you can just it, it and but the, it goes like this okay so we're facing the green one that we were working on that one right, problem right, right, right and then um if you just look to the right you know the red one that i'm talking about I think they so. just they're just real shelled out and you can just and and, and you mean, can just kick and those if it's legs on an out, incline you just, you, that looks pretty dope when you cut legs yeah. and just like muscle up on yeah. on an incline yeah. yeah, but but uh, after two and a half weeks, I'm like, don't do that anymore. <laughs> like, that's, that's right. Like, just go to give, top rope and just, like, have some fun. Give ego a break. Give him the day off. Yeah. Say, ego, you're going to stay at home today. Yeah. We're just going to go and climb what, what, for what, Sam. What is We're going to climb for Sam. What is it, though, about, like, that primal just, like, you got to you just you gotta be the best in the gym? Yeah. What is, why, 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 why do I have that? Every dude has that. It, I don't know. It's the, well, I mean, it's the competitive nature yeah. that men have. And it's not, uh, it, it's not like here inherently you. bad until, yeah. until it is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like, you don't need to be cutting feet to impress some girl. Number one, girls don't even care. <laughs> yeah. I guarantee it. Like, my perspective on what women actually like yeah. shifted a lot when I got married. Yeah. And I realized, like, oh, man, dudes have no idea. No idea. Uh, a guy that listens is a whole lot more, like, value to someone who has an awesome physique. Right, yeah. right. Or a guy who, who like, I think, I think girls yeah, are very in, intuitive. Because you, you wanted to make a podcast. And so, like, your podcast would essentially be saying, like, Talking, right, talking right. to guys that are like talking to myself, twenty to twenty nine. Yeah, right, talking to myself like ten, fifteen years ago, or even fifteen, sixteen. I, if I were to go back in time, I would have gotten married at like sixteen. 
You would have? Oh yeah, just whatever. <laughs> I would have had I would have I would have told my mother and father, I would have said, Hey, look, arrange the marriage. I want you look, I'm gonna give you the reins. You guys find my wife. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just just make sure they're nothing like you. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> you put the wrong people in charge. <laughs> Uh, I mean, like, uh, it's, it's, it's either that or your friends. Uh, here's, here's the thing I think is so stupid. It's this, this idea that, like, arranged marriage is so messed up. It's so ridiculous. I, every I'm marriage not, is arranged. Y- yeah, yeah, it is. There's, you know, there's, yes. There's a, do you know Ravi Zacharias? No. This dude's brilliant. You should check him out. You'll love him. Okay. He's a Christian apologist. You got to keep talking because the moment I talk, the sh- camera shifts on me, and I've got some... Go ahead. Business Continue. to take care yeah. of. Got it. So Ravi Zacharias, he's a Christian apologist, and the dude is um, brilliant, super brilliant. And he's spoken at you know some of the, the greatest institutions of learning around the world. He's spoken at Yale. He's spoken at Harvard. And he basically makes a case for being a Christian. And he answers the most difficult questions you know, posed by Ravi Zacharias. Ravi Zacharias. Okay. Answers the most difficult questions posed against Christianity by the brightest minds at Harvard, Yale, and Stanford, and everywhere. Very, very well-respected guy. Holds, I think, multiple PhDs. Does he have a YouTube channel? Uh, maybe. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. if he, I'm sure he does. I'm sure he does. And he has a whole ministry. So he's got a whole slew of people now who do this with him. Okay. And um, he's getting older. But he's an Indian guy. And uh, he was born in India. Then he moved to Canada for a while. And um, got married, and he wrote a book that was foundational for me in my approach to marriage. So when I was uh, dating my now wife, I was living in Haiti, working for the Global Orphan Project, who I work for now. And um, I had time to read books. Didn't have a TV, didn't have a lot of Wi-Fi, so I just read a lot. You didn't have a lot of wife. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't have a lot of wife. I? Yet. That's right. Okay, I'm sorry. And so I, uh, I read a ton of books, and I was getting ready to propose. So I was like, "Ah, oh, just let me just get every book on marriage and just read them all." Yeah. So I read like seven books on marriage in a year, and one of the best was his, Ravi Zacharias, and it's called "I Isaac Take Thee Rebecca," and he takes the story of Isaac and Rebecca from the Bible, and he kind of extrapolates it, and he tells a story about his older brother, who had an arranged marriage, and how Ravi went up to him and was like, "What are you doing?" Like, we live in Canada. We've been living here for a long time. We're a Western family now. Why on earth would you ask our parents to set you up in an arrangement, this old, stodgy, you know, uh, archaic way of, of doing things? Don't you want a love marriage? And it talks about how his brother rebukes him and is like, how dare you say that about my future wife? And his brother basically, it boils down to his brother says, I have already chosen to love this person and love is a choice it really is at the end of the day when you've been with this person for a few years and you've seen them at their best and at their worst you know the whatever you think you've you've uh, cultivated in your dating relationship pales in comparison to where you find yourselves a few years into marriage yeah so it becomes a choice a daily choice to love someone and so I am realizing that now and making that choice now that whoever my parents, I trust my parents. 
they're smart people. They know who I am better than anybody. Mm -hmm. They're not going to pick somebody who's going to be terrible. They're going to find someone who's really, really good. Yeah. So I've already chosen to love this person. And it just like totally blew Ravi Zacharias for a loop. And he then takes that story and extrapolates that and talks about love being a choice and marriage being a choice. And he said, you know, he kind of changed his mind on arranged marriages. Now, granted, I'm sure some of them are just terrible, you know, oh, for status and yeah. for whatever else. But his his book, using arranged marriage in the way that his older brother used it, was really beautiful. Yeah. It was really, really pretty cool. I actually had the thought that, like, uh, the idea, bat it down if you think it's a bad idea, but I think it's a freaking phenomenal idea. My sisters couldn't be more opposite as far as politically, religiously, just, like, um, they come to a consensus of watching Sam's four-hour-long podcast of not doing that. So I'm capable of <laughs> saying this in confidence without them being like, you know, but it's true. And they would, they would say, they would say, they would, they would agree with it. But they're very polar opposites, uh, I'd say. And so I was thinking about giving, giving them a couple pictures of me, you know. Letting them make me a uh, plenty of fish or something. I don't. I don't know what websites there are. <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, right. basically, them taking the reins on it, and 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 they they both receive the messages, and and you you know write it in the bio. Sure. This is this is this is Allie and Megan, Sam's sisters. We're looking for someone for him. Okay, great. And having those two just kind of like find a girl to go on a date with Sam. Like, I mean, could I, it hurt? Uh, my wife and I were set up on a blind date. What? Really? Yeah. I think now, you know, so that was arranged. I think <laughs> it was kind of arranged. Who arranged that? And is it a female or a male? It was a married couple. It was a married couple. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So I knew the husband, my wife knew the wife. Okay. So uh, I met a guy, I was new to Kansas city. I had just moved to Kansas City after leaving Miami, um, which is a how Jake met his how Jake met your mother how I met your mother that's right how, I can't wait till Owen watches this and and then he's gonna right. call me up and be like dude that's how I've been trying to get out of my dad forever <laughs> he's been telling me all these that's right I went through eight it was my seasons. aunt the whole time <laughs> oh jeez uh, so um um. Yeah, so I arrive in Kansas City after leaving Miami, which which was a we'll have to do maybe a podcast on me leaving Miami. I basically sold all my stuff, got in my car, and just drove away from Miami. <clears throat> I wasn't really sure where I was going to end up, but I ended up in Kansas City. Yeah, and I was thirty, thirty years old, just moved into my mom's basement, jobless, yeah, uh, homeless, and you know wh what am I going to do next? And um, was so fatherlessness had uh, how do I say this in a short way when I was in Miami I planted a church helped plant a church in a pretty tough part of the city and this group of young men started coming who were like late teens or early 20s awesome group of young dudes I just loved them and we became super tight and I came to realize that a lot of them came from broken homes not all of them but a lot of them and a lot of them had had absent dads and it really broke my heart for the plight of fatherlessness and how so many social issues come from 
a fatherless home, right? Yeah. Incarceration rates, prostitution yeah. rates, gang uh, participation, all that stuff. I mean, fatherless homes, if there's one thing we could do to radically shift culture for the better, it would be invest in dads and in getting dads to stay at home. Um, anyway, um, to, not, we a, to not abandon their kids. Toxic masculinity. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Right. Let's talk about what will actually help, right? Like, guys need to be a presence in the home, yeah, and not demonized and not whatever. And also, they need to just they need to do do what's right. You get a girl pregnant, you got to do what's right. You have a responsibility. Fuck up. That's put right. a ring on it. That's right. Like, do your job. You have a responsibility. Talked um, to a buddy the other day. I I told him he did that. Got a girl like, pregnant and then married her. Yeah. Good and for it, him, man. And it, yeah, and I was like, love is a choice. Make the choice. Well, in a time and age at where we're at right now is that a lot of the people, the guys that would not encourage him in, in that. But I was like, dude, sure. Props. Yeah. I don't know if I could do it in that. And that's like, yeah. And I mean, you know, it's hard to make blanket statements, right? I don't know who is, who this lady, what their relationship is yeah. like is, is it healthy? Is it but not But when healthy? it comes to a father, I think that you can, you, you have could? to be a presence Yeah. and you have to be as much a presence in the kid's life as, as physically possible and i think that if there's an inkling that you could marry and and model a healthy home in that marriage you should do it um and surround yourself with good people who are going to help you do it but anyway so so yeah so anyway i met these dudes and so i started researching what would it look like for uh, a church to engage in issues of fatherlessness and i started exploring foster care and orphan care and took some trips overseas to see orphanages operating and that kind of stuff and just did research. And I got into this uh, mode of just doing research. So long story short, I leave Miami. I'm not sure where I'm going to go, but I end up in Kansas City, staying at mom's until I figure out where I'm going next. And um, I'm continuing this research, and I find this organization called Go Project, the Global Orphan Project. And they're based in Kansas City, so I call them up, which is routine for me. I would do this, you know, at least once a month, just call up an organization that did some kind of orphan care or fatherlessness ministry and interview them, just ask questions. Yeah. So I did that, and after I hung out with one of their guys for a while, uh, he said, why don't you come to Haiti and see it in action? So I went to Haiti, and on that first trip to Haiti, I met this dude who later set me up with my wife. So I just arrived in Kansas City, I'm in Haiti. I meet this guy. He's a great guy. He finds out that I just moved to KC. So he says, well, when do you get back to Kansas City? I want to have you over to meet my wife. You don't have many friends and whatever, but, you know, you're a great guy. Just come on over. And I'm 30 years old, or I just turned 30. And uh, so I go to his house, hang out with the family, tell him my story. Grew up in the U.K., you know, did some church planting stuff, did, had a corporate career and, and whatever before that. And, uh, and his wife says, you know, there's a, a girl that you should meet that I volunteer with at a pregnancy crisis center. Um, so she's kind of involved in similar stuff, issues of fatherlessness, and a lot of these single moms who find themselves pregnant end up there, and she, she helps. She's a volunteer. Yeah. And uh, she grew up overseas. She grew up in South Africa, moved to the States the same year you did. Both your parents are divorced, got divorced the same year. Uh, seems like there's a lot that you guys have in common. I think you're a, guy, a good guy based on what I can tell from our hanging out tonight. Yeah, how many interactions was it before it was like... 
I mean, uh, I met her once. And well, I, I mean, like the this guy that uh, invited you back to his place, and I mean, we were Kansas roommates City. together for like a week in Haiti. Okay. And and it, you know, traveling to a an extreme place like that with someone, uh, you go deep, fast. You cover yeah. a lot of ground. Yeah. And it's raw and it's emotional, and you know, we shared stuff with each other that was that was good you know i said something that i slightly regret to a friend of mine uh, he's the longest friend i've ever had and i'll say it here also confident that he's not gonna hear it. <laughs> um but i would i i this is something i've been kind of tackling is that uh i i told him i looked at him and i said because um, we got political and we've never gone political and i just wanted to know who he's gonna vote for <laughs> And he told me that, like, you don't know, you don't know politics is pretty much what he said to me. And I looked at him, I said, I have known you longer than anyone else in my life. And I think that you know the least about me than anyone. Oof. Yeah. I mean, that right there is true for relationships and friendships on multiple levels. Like, you can easily find yourself in a friendship that has been coasting for so long on pretty much the same level ground. Just carnal, just... Yeah, just shooting the breeze that it never crust goes... Crust of the earth. Yeah, it never goes a layer deeper. Yeah. And the same is true for your marriage. Mm-hmm. There are so many marriages. You get in, it's you're super deep in the beginning, and then you get into a routine, and you just start coasting. And before you know it, you don't really even know each other that well. Yeah. And I mean, my wife and I talk about it a lot because it's, you know, it's something that we were concerned about. And we know, you know, we can feel it when there are times and we, you know, we're we're married. So we're comfortable talking about this stuff together. But there are times when we'll say, you know, the last few months, it just feels like we've been roommates. We haven't really been an intimate married couple. Yeah. You know, we haven't really been deep. And uh, we need to fix that. So we have that conversation probably once a year. Yeah. Like, hey, we need to, hey, I feel like, have you noticed the, the telltale signs of this too? Because I'm feeling it. And, you know, so I think that's true. You can do it with your parents. Mm-hmm. How many people, how many young men, when they hit puberty and they start wrestling with, do a know, little closer, becoming a man? Yeah. There we go. Ooh, I sound better. Uh, start wrestling with becoming a man, and they've got all these big questions, and they're wrestling with biology. Yeah. Right. Your hormones are going crazy, and your body's doing wacky things, and they don't feel like they can talk to their dad about it, and their dads are too embarrassed or insecure or whatever to go there with their kids. You know, same thing. You can end up there with your parents. I think every relationship runs the risk of just staying on the surface. And some friendships, that's what they're meant to be. Carnal. They're yeah. D- they're just going to be that. Yeah. But lifelong friends shouldn't be. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and, and basically, th- that's – that's that. Th- I, I there's a part of me that regrets it, but there's also a part of me that's like you've – been, you've been living alive for a while with this um, re- relationship with this buddy. You want it. You want it to be real. You want it to be real deep. You know, and I wouldn't say that that was entirely true, but it did have some truth to it. 
Um, thankfully, I, I, I texted him <clears throat> the other day, and he texted back. Right? Almost like... Sometimes there's times in my life that I clearly, I, there's sometimes in your life that you think that maybe you're a narcissistic, sociopathic, just, just <laughs> psychopath, right? There's some, like, people go through that, but there's times, like, you know, in me sharing this moment with you is that, like, no, like, I feel a little bit of remorse, but also a bit of, like, alive, you know, mm. in saying something so radical. Mm. You know, um, to the point where it's like, uh, may not be true, but there's an ounce of true in it. And that's just enough to like, get your eyes a little watery, you know? Yeah. Well, and so what happens next will determine a lot in your friendship. Yeah. Cause yeah. now you've got an you, axiom. That's right. Which, which way are you going to go? Yeah. Right? Are you going to, or you, I mean, both of you, you know, yeah. is, is your friendship going to just continue and pretend like that conversation didn't happen or that thing wasn't said? Or is someone going to, are you going to take it back? Say, I didn't really mean it. Yeah. Or you, is it going to sit and you guys are going to have to talk about it? Yeah. And that'll force your, your friendship to either come to an end or become really real yeah yeah and, and i these are these are things that i think about and um um that's kind of what i've, I've been it's it's sad that it's it, you know took me till 28 to like recognize that as sure. that like those axioms need to be set earlier not necessarily like, like we said there's people that you have carnal relationships with you know sure Whatever. You go and climb. Yeah. What's up? How's it going? Dude, been working on this. Great. I saw you working on that. You did it. Good. Right. High cool. five. High five. See you next week. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I can't believe whatever yep. happened. Cool. That weather. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's my worst. I can't stand that. How's the weather? I hate small talk so much <laughs> when, when it's like. Me too. I'm bad at it. I don't really know. I, I like, I run like, out of stuff to talk about it quick. It pisses me off whenever. So like, <laughs> it's so stupid that I get so worked up, but like I'll be hanging Christmas lights, you know, or taking them down these past two months. Um, and, and, uh, they'll talk to me about like, I, I was, I was taking down lights at a Mexican restaurant and, uh, I'm at the front, get this whole pole and I'm, picking up clips or whatever and this guy he goes he had he had the audacity to look at me and go you know uh, what, did he, what exactly did he say he said um oh it's pretty pretty cold out here isn't it he had the audacity to say some crap like that to me right as he's getting out of his Heated car <laughs> to walk right. into a heated restaurant, <laughs> right? And, and I'm just thinking about roof, yeah, right. like I've been on roofs all day long, right. like outside. Yeah. And you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna tell you're gonna you have you have that uh, that it was just a shrill in his damn voice, right? Like, like, like I know you and me we're the same. <laughs> like I know, 
I know it's cold out here. Do you know it's cold out here? Like, I've worked a winter day like this before <laughs> in my right. past. That's right. Like, shut up. <laughs> Just shut up and go inside. That's and, right. and, and, I, and I do. I'm a real – I'm a fairly nice guy to talk to, but – when you small talk me, I'm just I just look at you and go, "Yep." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he didn't mean it. No, he didn't mean it in a negative way. No, 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 no. Yes, no. I can imagine. No, this. but I do wish he would go into that restaurant, get food poisoning, <laughs> take it home to his children, puke all everywhere, and yeah, well, make his wife clean it up. And okay, sorry, that, that might be a bit dark much. humor. That's <laughs> uh, oh, I think that's changed me. Uh, you, you probably shouldn't listen to Anthony uh, Jeselnik. <laughs> It's bad, man. Like, it's dark stuff. Oh my gosh! Like, yeah. Like Christian mothers, if they heard their son listen to this guy's, oh, it would be over. Oh my gosh! It'd be military oh. academy for everybody. Oh yeah, yeah. books are burning. Yeah, yeah. I know that comedy it doesn't come in books, but how do you feel about book burning? How do I feel about book burning? Yeah. But wait, wait. Stop. Let's turn it. Uh, Maybe you could answer that and then we close. It's about 250. Sounds good. It's 256. How do I feel about book burning? (laughs) Well, not sure I've been to a good old-fashioned book burning in a while. Uh, So in general, like how do we feel about Christians, Christian book, Christians burning books, right? Is that what we're talking about? Or just in general? No, no, no. no. Just just book burning. Just book burning in general. All right, so, so like, Huckleberry saying let's, let's these things that people have created and put into the world are so bad that we need to eradicate them from existence. Yes. Right. So whatever modern day version that would be censorship or cancel culture, something like mm, that. Right? Yeah. So how do I feel about it? Well, I think that I'm scared. We just like open up another 30 minutes. We I mean, yeah. You, what time? What you time's did. your bedtime? I, what you are did. you? It's 917. I'm, I'm good. OK, good go. Hey, it's hey, you you decide when this thing ends, man. I'm I'm good. Okay. Um but I will take a little extra water yeah, if yeah, you yeah, got yeah, some yeah. more because 'cause it's been almost three hours. Thanks, sir. It's perfect pour. You want a full one? No. It's, okay. It's <laughs> you just want to pour it again, didn't you? Because that perfect pour. Well, there was one thing that I did learn while I was serving, is that I do have a perfect pour. So isn't that Not something me. so stupid to be Not proud me. of? Like, <laughs> hey man, you got to find ways to get by yeah. in those jobs. <clears throat> I mean, I built these shelves. I like it. Out of milk cartons. I think it looks cool, man. Especially with the back background. Uh, the black background. Back, black background. Yeah, I stapled that up there like that. Yeah. I want to just paint it. I want to get rid of actually all this and just paint all of this black. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, I shared with somebody recently. They're like, what's the difference between you doing a podcast in here in your home versus like in their home or uh, in a library? I've done one in a library in a military um, bunker base uh, in their dorm room. No kidding. Um, Yeah. Uh, uh, At their parents' home. Um, But... The difference is, is that like this is like a set. I don't want it to be a set. I'd like to like paint this all black and I don't know, hang those and a- anyway, book book that burning. Cool. That'd <laughs> be super cool. Cancel, cancel, cancel culture. <coughs> this cancel is something culture. that's cancel culture and book burning. We're on to. So <clears throat> yeah, oh, gosh, what do I think about it? 
You know, so I am, I am a very, very pro freedom of speech. And I think that, so from the Christian perspective, Christians have to acknowledge that we don't live in a Christian world. And this is a difficult reality, I think, for a lot of American Christians to understand because America has been a overtly Christian culture for many, many years, but it's not anymore. And so a lot of people are still holding on to this idealistic past that at one point we had all these Christian morals that pervaded our culture. And a lot of them still do. Conservative Christianity. Yes, yes. And a lot of them still, and it comes from Christendom viewpoint, right? Christendom being like when, when the power of the church is so pervasive in every part of society that it bends culture to its... Billy Graham. Yeah. The time of Billy Graham. Absolutely. And so Where there were stadiumfuls of Christians, and, and there still are, but it's way less. And the you know secular culture has overtaken the United States. Well, you know, I didn't grow up here. I grew up in a secular country. Oh my gosh, you have like privilege points, <laughs> and not just the whole five nine thing. But you have privilege points oh, being nine? an immigrant. Yes. Do you realize that? Well, so I'm American. I always was. I never gave no, up my American. You're English American, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> you you, you, you ride that time. You ride that one. Man. <laughs> a long time in Europe. Uh, my wife is an immigrant. She was born and raised in South Africa, moved here, got her citizenship, then we got married. Uh, but that's Is it weird point. to say that she does look South African? To to say that? Yeah. About her? Yeah. For me to say she does look South African? She does look South African. No, I mean, for me, I'm saying that, like, I've seen your wife. She mm-hmm. looks South African. Mm-hmm. It's not weird for me because I understand where she came from and yeah. that kind of stuff. But, but, like, well, I guess maybe we should clarify she isn't black. Yeah, she's, I mean, she's has red hair. Yeah. And it, when I lived in Haiti. But the the white people that I've seen that come from South Africa yeah. look similar to yeah. your wife. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. So there's yeah. like That's right. And uh, yeah, she she does and her dad looks very South African. He's got a South African accent. My wife not so much, but It's interesting though. I and I and I may be totally wrong on this, but um and we're so deep into the podcast that like these are great. I can say these things, but she has African American features on her face. My wife? Yes. You think so? No, I don't. I don't know. I, don't. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what I'm saying. <laughs> it's, it just sounded so good, and so like that. That would be that'd be neat. She doesn't though, does she? I mean, I don't know. I. I it's hard to answer. And here's some more privilege points. Here's why it's hard to answer. My job has sent me to a number of parts of Africa. Yeah. And I have friends in Ethiopia, in in uh, Uganda, in Congo. Um, oh no, you get you get less. You actually privilege points detract if you say that you're friends with people from other like countries. Like, oh, they do. Yeah, you're actually well, more of them. a xenophobia. Got so it. Xenophobic. If you point out that you have friends from other countries. Got it, got it. So. Well, they're not from. They live there, okay. and I visit them in their country uh, okay. as part of my job. 
Okay, in that in that case, in it, you're just neutral. You're right in the neutral that's, line. That's that's fine. That's all we can talk I, about. All I ever this. wanted to be. We can talk about neutral. this and still be monetized by YouTube. Oh, oh, nice. Yeah. Um, that's a lie. We've already talked about God. <laughs> they won't. They won't monetize uh, religious really? conversation. No kidding. Oh yeah. Huh. Uh, Google Google uh, owns YouTube. Um and hard nope, and fast nope, religion. Nope. nope, nope. Nope. Wow. Cannot, do not monetize religious content. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Well, they so can. They can. Rogan. They can. They can. They can. They can monetize it, and they can make money off of it, but you but can't. you can't. So if Joe Rogan did one podcast with the Pope, that one wouldn't bring him any money. It, yes. In theory. In theory, if he did, if Joe Rogan did a podcast with the Pope. Wow. Wouldn't, wouldn't. Unless By the way, they who's just the talked Pope about. now? Uh, I don't know. Because yeah, uh, it was Francis, and then now, it, now it's. There you go. Google it. All right. So anyway, so I was going to say, uh, my African friends look look different in a lot of, a lot of different places. So a lot, a lot. You know, it's hard to say. I got to clarify that. African American features. What does that mean? Oh, features. Yeah. Like well, let's, let's just not. <laughs> let's not. Let's not. But in general, she's. Uh, anyway. <laughs> um. So. What were we talking about? African American teachers. <laughs> we were talking about my wife was an immigrant, and we. Uh, oh, I'd cancel. All right. All right. Yeah. So cancel, cancel culture. Cancel culture. And I'm so, looking up the Pope. So we're no longer, you know, America's no longer a, a Christian culture. Um, growing up in the UK, uh, you know, I, I didn't really know what Christian culture really was. There really wasn't much of one, if any. Pope Francis. Yeah. There you go. Pope Francis. He became the Pope after uh, the other guy stepped down, who was the more conservative Pope. Pope Francis is more of a liberal-leaning. Um, I watched the two Popes. Apparently, it's super inaccurate. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, like, they didn't actually ever even meet. Oh, no kidding. Uh, until after he became the Pope. Gotcha. So, like, all of the context of, like, I need you to be Pope. Gotcha. And like, I don't want to be Pope. It's all Hollywood. So got it. Got it. Well, I haven't seen it, but I heard it's good. Yeah, it is. It is. Don't, don't get me wrong. Like uh, the, yeah. I like it, Anthony Hopkins. He's a Welsh guy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I like, I, I watched it with my father. He's Catholic. Got it. But he, that was the second time he watched it. I feel like I really similar to the thing that I told to my buddy for the longest time was whenever I told my dad that uh, it's factually incorrect, that movie. Because he was so dead set that Francis was, like, the guy he saw in this movie. And I was like, right. no. They only play they're, – they're actually just playing two archetypes. Gotcha. Very conservative, very left. and Gotcha. And, um, and how those worlds collide. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, but they, the movie's phenomenal. Yeah. I'm going to check it out. But as far as, like, accuracy, it's it's not accurate. Sure. It's sure. just a radicalization of 
two yeah. perspectives of the Bible. And Interesting. Um, I mean, at one point he says that, um, Francis, you would almost believe that he's not a believer. Mm. Yeah. And, um, but, yeah. Hmm. But cancel cur- culture is real, and it's, like, moving fast throughout. Yeah. And, it, you know, I think that from a Christian perspective, so two perspectives, from a Christian perspective, we need to recognize that we don't live in a Christian world, right? We don't. And mm-hmm. we won't until Jesus decides to come back and make it so. Um, our job is to be to be examples of goodness and love and uh, kindness in the world, and that the purpose of the church kindness. Is to be I, I want. I want to. I want to. Yeah. Intersect here real quick. Is is. Um, when I hear the word kindness, I, I don't think that a lot of people know what that word is. So it's, is it for the people who are listening, or this may be something that you didn't know? And I would love to be able to tell you what the kindness, the the root word for kindness is, is kin. Mm. Mm. Okay, so kin being your family. Yeah. Treating others like your brother, or yeah. treating them like your sister. And to be kind. I saw some stupid quote outside of a middle school that kindness grows when happiness is achieved or something. Right, right. And it, it was just like, <laughs> how do you treat your brother? Yeah. Like, really, yeah. how do you, how do you treat your you treat your brother pretty like yeah. iron sharpens iron, like yeah. ironclad, like head to head, like. Um, so so anyway, I just I needed to. Yeah. No, I like that. You know, how do you treat your kin? Right. I mean, that's that's what you're saying. How yeah. do you treat your kin? Kindness. It, it, yeah. How do you show kindness? You yeah. treat them like a brother or a sister. Yeah. 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 And I think that's that's right. That's the job of of the church. And it's the job of Christians. We should be that we should be a light in the world. Um, recognizing that the world that we are foreigners in the world, that the world, the church, you know, back in Jesus's day and pretty much, you know, uh, in a lot of places today operates on the fringes really helping people who are desperate um to find a, a little bit of peace and kindness and a place where they're welcomed and loved um that's the purpose of the church and and the people and so burning a book or canceling someone because they said something that you don't like you live in in a non-christian world everything should be something that you disagree with for the most part or something that you don't necessarily like don't get you know all bent out of shape because at the halftime show j-lo was wearing what she wore and she danced the way she danced you know this isn't a christian world yeah and you need to grow up and grow a pair and realize that your job is to still love people that you burning a book isn't drawing people closer into the family of God and closer into your family. Um, It's driving a massive wedge between you and culture. So what you're saying is that you're recognizing not just cancel cancel culture as a problem of the left, but also a problem of the right. Yes, it is. It may take different forms, but it's the same thing you know book burning is cancel culture you know when he burned yeah. george orwell's 1984 or you know catcher in the rye or whatever 
um, you know, it's the same thing. Now, from so that's a Christian. I think that should be the Christian perspective. Yeah. You know, let's 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 win the world over with kindness, not by demanding that they adhere to a set of Christian principles when they're not Christian. Yeah. You know, um, that just seems silly. And you and we lose credibility with the world, and we're called hypocrites, and rightly so, because we burn all these books, and then we find out that, you know, such and such pastor had a moral failing and has been doing this, that, and whatever, and embezzling money or. Cheating Shout on his out to that Christian comedian that just got clocked over the head. There's some Christian comedian. Really. That yeah that. He like John Christ. Okay. You know him. Yeah, I know of him. I don't yeah. really know him, but. Clocked over the head with uh. Uh, he's uh, apparently Instagram fiend messaging girls and saying, sup? Oh, really? What you doing tonight? I'm in town. Oof. Yeah, oof. That's right. Yeah, I mean, you know, there you go. That's not helping, right? How can you cancel? <laughs> like, if that dude, I don't know what he stands for or whatever, but if that, that dude, and we don't need him as an example. There's been plenty of others who stood opposed, you know, righteously opposed to certain things and called for the canceling of whatever. And it turns out that their lives were just an absolute abhorrent mess. Uh, you know, I mean, we're not winning any credibility with society. And so the church largely is considered hypocritical and uh, outdated and, and whatever. I have found out recently what a hypocrite was. A hypocrite isn't necessarily somebody that um, doesn't follow their own standards, but they actively... vocalize they actively pursue potential confirm a hypocrite is somebody who not only does these things that that they say not to do but they also tell others that they should not do them mm-hmm. take uh Here's an example out of the sky. Leonardo DiCaprio talking about climate change. And mm. he's flying around on planes and he's got mm. like 10 homes. Right. Right. That's, a, that's, a, hypo- that's a hypocrite. Right. That's a hypocrite. Right. It's not hypocritical to, to have 10 homes fly around on a private jet and not say anything about right. climate change. Yep. So. But you should live this way. I'm not going to do it, but you should live this way. Yeah. Yeah. Because of these morals that I have. Yeah. And yeah. it's coming in so many different forms, too. Yeah. And I think that yeah. cancel culture is, like, is yeah, hypocritical. Yeah, it's hypocritical. You have a narrative. You're allowed to speak what you believe, but I can't speak what I believe. Uh, yeah, and I think— no, I get to I get to say what I want, but you don't get to say what you want. Right. What you be- I can say what I believe in. Well, and you can say what you believe in unless what you believe in disagrees with what I believe in. Yeah, that's then hypocritical. You Wouldn't it be that? That's Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and so, you know, so I think from the church, the, this, the stance, I mean, we, I think we could loosen up a bit. There's stuff in the world that offends us, as it should. Yeah. We, we live in a secular world, and, and we're supposed to be a light to that world yeah and through our actions and our loving others show people that what it what the kingdom of god looks like 
And then, so the secular world, you know, I think that, you know, freedom of speech is societally regulated. If someone says something that is just outrageous and terrible, there will be a consequence. There will be a natural consequence. Um, there will be regardless people, of laws being in place. That's right. In fact, the consequence is actually usually of societal outweigh what the government could um, be. Yeah, that's to, right. Uh, uh, punishment. The yeah. the society's punishment. Uh, always, I think, outweighs the government's yep. capability. The society has the capability to... People have a much simpler... Or people, people know how to hurt other people. And if you do something wrong, the group of people... like. The judge, it's in an individual's case right there, and then you get this, whatever. That doesn't compare to just hundreds of thousands of people that yeah. hate you because you said that you'd break a dollhouse over your potentially right. gay child's head right? as a joke. Right. That's right. Shout out to Kevin Hart. That's right. So, I mean, there's a – and so jokes, right? There was a comedian. I forget who it was. Uh, that had this philosophy that culture decides what's funny. So you make a joke, you tell your joke, people either laugh at it, and if they do, then you tell the joke again at another venue. It works its way into your material. Or it doesn't, it dies. You say a joke and it's too offensive, and everyone's like, oof. And you're like, okay, noted. I'm not going to say that joke again. Yeah. And so society regulates humor. It regulates comedians. It yes. regulates what's what's funny and what's not, what's offensive and what's not. Inherently, could you say? I mean, is, uh, would, would that be the right word? It does it naturally. It does it, it's yeah innate. Uh, yes, absolutely. And granted, different cultures will laugh at different things. You know, different um, people will laugh at different things. Well, right? British so comedian can get away with some other things that an American comedian couldn't get away 100%. with. 100%. I mean, if you watch some YouTube videos, of, yeah. I mean— They what, say what, some of the most atrocious— What was that uh, that gal things. that went around and said, like, hey, we don't want the climate change and stuff? Etta Thunberg? 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 Yeah, Thunberg. yeah, yeah. Okay, I watched this this comedian talk—do uh, <laughs> a puppet of her, like, in, like— In the U.K.? In the U.K. Yeah. Uh, just brutal. in a pub. They're I mean, brutal. his— br it, 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 it just had that swaggy kind of British accent, or more mm -hmm. than something that you know that, that there's there's the clean English speakers, right? And, right, and then there's the the ones that are the uh, what, what are they? The, like the, the working class. Is that is that it's, it? Is yeah. that really there's there's a difference in the working class and like the yeah it's just, yeah yeah really yeah uh, the Boris Johnson of yeah so there's there's like there's definitely like the working class accent. Yeah, and then I mean you know, it's kind of it's kind of like here in you know the U.S. of A. when right. the country accent, right? Yeah, yeah. So but over there, then they said, it, yeah, yeah. There's like proper English, proper. And there's like yes, you um, know, common English. It, what is that actor's name that has the more proper English? I can't think of his name. He's a uh, Jason Statham. Jason Statham. Right. Yes, he's got the more proper, and then. Then you have uh, all of those movies with. Um, have you ever seen the movie Snatch? Yeah. Okay. So then you have uh, 
um, well, you gotta go to the Cognies, okay? But then you also, okay, Dag. Yeah. yeah. Hold on, I, I, I gotta get my mom. <laughs> right. I, I'm not. I, I used to be able to do. Now I'm starting to sound like a Kennedy. <laughs> a little bit. Uh, but in all seriousness, back to the cancel culture and what Christians can do in this moment of just absolute. Don't Insanity. say this. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that it's... Uh, as a professional keeping your mouth shut guy that went through it in high school. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Professional keeping your mouth shut guy. You know, I think that Christians out. need to... I don't know. I mean, I think uh, Christians need to stand for... for um, the core tenets of the Bible, um, which are all act, which are all action based, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think that. Um, I think that if if most Christians saw themselves as a saw themselves with the responsibility of being a little version of Jesus in their community. Which means you don't just go to church on Sunday and then go home, mm-hmm. but you have a responsibility to see your neighborhood and the people who are struggling in your neighborhood and actively try to do something about it, um, and to love that person and welcome that person, uh, to reach across, you know, whatever whatever boundaries there may be between you two, and with a, a, a gracious hand. If Christians operated that way, which is the tenets of the gospel. Yeah. Um, and the epitome of Jesus' example and his walk on earth, right? That's exactly what he did. He came to earth and he hung out with people who were kind of the undesirables, the people who were the down and outers, who had lost hope. Um, and he gave them hope. And our job is to be hope bringers to the world. So there's this word called the, uh, the eschatone. So when all things come to an end on earth, Christ will return and usher in the kingdom of God to the earth. And that is the eschaton, the end of the plan, um, when the plan has been realized. And that will be such an amazing time when humanity is reconciled to its creator and sin is dealt with. It's gone away. So that sin that's intertwined with our hearts vanished. Yeah. And now we're, we're fully reconciled with God. And what an amazing time that'll be. And in the meantime, our job is to be um, examples of that, a reflection of that. Uh, so this is what's coming, right? This community of Christians who are in the world reconciling people's um, hurts and pains and, and genuinely making a kind and good difference in the world. Uh, if Christians did that, no one would want to cancel it. No one would be speaking out against it. Or if they did, society would regulate and be like, whoa, Christians are good people. What are you, what are you talking about? You know, um, here's a, a, a... Well, I think that our best, our, the best reflection of society right now is actually YouTube. Yeah, it's all out there. And that, and that, and that if somebody does say something... Uh, so it's, it, that I actually... I'm comfortable knowing that, like, God's got my back, right, in any instance. But 
I also feel a comfort in posting to YouTube because I know that this is a community that even 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 secular I've seen I've seen some absolute miracles of, of on YouTube of secular people defending religious and religious uh, supporting secular right uh, voices on on YouTube yeah <clears throat> I mean the inner uh, what is it the, the dark web the inner what do they call it something that internet's dark web it's with jordan peterson and like ben shapiro and joe rogan and and these really prominent voices that all have very different views Mm -hmm. ben shapiro being jewish uh jordan peterson being um less of a christian and more of a philosophical right existentialist um i can't really coin him that but sure uh just to, if we're going to, and then Joe Rogan, who's like a secular liberal. Right. Uh, and then you have like um, Brett Weinstein, who I think attends a Jewish church, but doesn't actually believe in the sacraments. And then you have, and and so like YouTube has become like this. Uh, and then PewDiePie, even PewDiePie. I don't know where PewDiePie is, stands religiously, but he's still definitely a voice on the, the mm. The, uh, the platform with 91 million, more than that, because <clears throat> when I followed him, he's got like 110. That's ridiculous. Uh, was it m- million? Uh, yeah, I think it's million. Billion? I, pff, I don't know. Million. Probably bil- million. We'll say million, because there's not 101 no. billion people <laughs> in the world. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, um, but... But having these checks and balances of regulation uh, on this one website on YouTube, right? Um, like if you can, if you go from t- like if you go from like Twitter to hop on YouTube, and you start spouting off some stuff that's just not true, mm-hmm. good luck. Like you, yeah. you, you will get shut down. Yeah, and it's not that you will get censored. Although YouTube has been censoring some specific voices. Yeah, sure. That I see and and. It's really messed up. Sure, you'll be re- rebutted, but but the but you will be reproved and rebuked by the community, right? Inside YouTube, like it's, yep. I think it's the most tight knit social media. I think that if I were to say like a social media that will be here in the next twenty five, thirty, forty, fifty years, mm. it would be YouTube, mm. um, and I think that's partly because of the effort that it takes to create something and put it on YouTube. Yeah. Whereas Twitter, yeah, it just, can just right uh, on Facebook, you might have to post a picture or whatever yeah. and be constant. Well, but it's funny you say that. Cause that's, I think there's something to that. Right. So like, you know, um, Twitter, these, these like microscopic social media posts, right. You're just posting a sentence or a couple of sentences whether it be Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, they're all based around that, like the yeah. one-sentence post. Um, and so it lends itself to you having to say something provocative and outrageous to get a response, right? Because it's one sentence. Or not just a, a response, a but attention. Right. It's a sound bite. Yeah. You can't fully explain a complex issue like cancel culture or whatever we've been talking about in a sound bite. Yeah. And so it takes a platform like YouTube to 
to go deep on these issues and have a real conversation. Um, so that, that, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. It is, I think that it is the most intellectually potent, maybe, no, but the most, you're going to find the smartest people on YouTube. And I think that you could say that objectively. Hmm. Twitter might not like it that I said that. Well, but, no, I think but that I think you're, it's, you know, you're going to see. And I'm not shooting my horn either. I, why? Sure. I mean, there's smart people on every platform, but on YouTube, they debate. Yeah. Right. It's And it's an actual debate. It's a conversation about something versus. Well, you pop up a blog over here. Even if it's vlog or creative creativity, like this will pop up right here, and then like this other you you have you have all these checks and balances of people being like yeah, and Casey Neistat is one of the biggest vloggers, and, and yet if you look up the dark side of Casey Neistat, you find plenty of stories of him mm. uh, selling his his company to CNN, uh, and then also oh, like uh, saying not to vote for Donald Trump, and um, uh. Just some really dark stuff, and it, and then like it comes through, and and it's 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 conspiracy to the rest of the world, but it's truth for the community on YouTube, mm. and people see it. Sure, like I, I, I can I can almost say with confidence too that the majority of YouTube is conservative. Mm. Uh, like the community. Um, uh, clearly these are just like I I haven't done any studies. Sure. Um, well, I mean, I guess that kind of makes sense too, because I mean, where else do you put your conservative content? You know you what I mean? You can't put it on Facebook. It's not th they block the groups. You th can't put yeah. it on Twitter. Yeah, Twitter will shadow ban you and uh, and kick you off. Yeah, and you know, and there's far less, and I think this is pretty objective, far less uh, uh, conservative representation in the media clearly than there is liberal representation in the media for sure so when a story a, a liberal post is out there there's very little to refute it or yeah you know so y it makes sense that youtube would be the place where conservatives find their voice that's interesting i would have never thought that yeah but uh, it kind of I mean, makes sense you uh, know? so y if you if you look at if you have to look up uh the the turkish the turks the young turks the young turks is a, a liberal organization uh, and uh, there's this guy named Chink Uger who runs it. Kind of sounds like this. Okay. And uh, and <laughs> I'm making fun of him because we're like three and a half hours in, and this is the point where it's just like anything goes. <laughs> but he runs a he runs a YouTube channel, and they've got something like four or five million. But if you look at the views that he receives, it's nowhere comparable to someone like Steven Crowder. No kidding. Yeah, like like it's. And and like even Vox, like Vox will come out with a video. Here's 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 something that like just some unknown information that's like true when it comes to YouTube is that you'll see a video post and um, uh, what I'll do is I'll go inc incognito. It basically means that they're not like tracking who I am. Okay, they're still tracking. I'm sure they are. <laughs> yeah, but but basically yeah. it it doesn't it doesn't. It doesn't show me. It shows me the comments that it would show somebody who, would just didn't have an account and just hopped on YouTube, and you'll go to a video and you'll see, a hundred million likes on it, 
but then it'll have like 10 million dislikes. Mm -hmm. And then you go to the comments on incognito and you'll see that the people who comment are people with accounts and it's just, it's just over, like it's, um, a majority of them are just negative comments, mm. not negative comments, but calling them out. Mm. Right. And, uh, um, and then, and then, and then this is when you get really, the community gets involved. YouTube does a rewind, basically does this video where, um, it shows what goes on, uh, what, what, what the biggest moments of YouTube, <laughs> Like it kind of like recaps the year, okay? Right, and gets takes little pieces of it, right? Yeah. So they they released one last year, and it was so cringe. So mm. You know what cringe is, right? Mm -hmm. So cringe that, and I'll I'll pop it up here. This I'm not going to show it to you, but uh, this is something that uh, rewind 2019. I think it is. Be last year's. that doesn't play the song yeah 2.7 million likes 17 million dislikes <sighs> would you say that the community yeah. of youtube liked that video or disliked that video yeah, because this is a video that youtube or community youtube community watches right. if you post youtube rewind to facebook people no who aren't cares. on facebook yeah they don't. They don't know who a lot of these creators are. Sure. But if you're a part of the YouTube create, uh, YouTube community, you you know who Logan Paul is. You know who Lele Pons is. You know who, you know if you don't watch their content. So. So everybody disliked it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You see a very big push up against too, uh, mm -hmm. YouTube. Like the creators are have a voice and they recognize that they have a voice and like they're kind of just like ever so slightly like pushing up against like this whole um like like PewDiePie he's he's got a more conservative outlook on on mm. things mm. and he has the second most subscribers the first is some t-series that's a Indian um Hollywood type gotcha music videos Right. Um, yeah, I mean, if you can hack into that market, get greedy. Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, it, and then 2020, I mean, you can't even find the 2020. It's not even in the, here, YouTube Rewind, to, no. I can't even find YouTube Rewind 2020. Like, they control these algorithms, but I can't find 2020. Anyway, all that to say is that, uh, that, uh, oh, I guess it's 2019. <laughs> I'm dumb. It's 2020. But the one that I told you about was the 2018 and then 2019, they came back and they, they just made, did an algorithm. They chose, they took, they, they like, <laughs> this is, this is, I, I Maybe we'll close on this, and, and I'll, I'll show this to you because I think it's very um, shaping of uh, 2019. 
2019. Could I please just get 2019? 2019? Okay, yeah, this is top one. So this one has 8.7 million dislikes and 3.3 million likes. Wow, so not, not doing so good this <laughs> one either. <laughs> nope. That was Casey Neistat, by the way. Yeah, it, so they recognize it. So this is this is how, if viewers, listeners, if you're listening on the podcast, get on the YouTube community. Uh, watchers, um, you know what I'm talking about. Jake here is experiencing. So they come out with this video in 2019, at the end of 2019, and they go, in 2018, we made something you didn't like. Mm. You're going to make a statement like that? Right. It wasn't in 2018. We made something that uh, that wasn't good. Right. <laughs> no, no, right. no, no, no. It was like, no, we made something that you didn't like. Right. We liked it. Right. We liked it. We liked it a lot. But so in 2019, let's see what you did. We did like because you did like you're it. better at this than we are. And still they got Is, is that many? not just like the biggest like? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, they're trying. They're trying to win over the community. So they played the algorithm and they said who had the most likes on these videos. And right. oh, let's just play, play it. So anyway, now you're up to date on. Got it. On, on social media and cancel culture is that uh, YouTube is the place to go. YouTube's the place to go. And that's why I stream predominantly on YouTube. Yep. And, yeah. I like that. Yeah, and I think the Christian response to cancel culture should be, you know. Let it play out. Yeah, I mean, you know, we should stand up for when Christians are being bullied, you know, unfairly bullied. Yeah. We should rally together. If anyone's being unfairly bullied. It, yeah, that's what I'm saying. We should stand, Secular, religious. Yeah, just absolutely. Like Jordan Peterson was unfairly bullied, I think. Yeah. But he's got a he's got a loud voice. You know, he's got a strong following, and he, so he'll be fine. But well, he's actually going through, um, uh, re like, like, did you watch the, his daughter posted up a video recently that pretty much explained how they're doing. He's he's gone through it. They didn't call it addiction, but uh, his oh body boy. has become very um, reliant on a drug that he's been taking. Oh boy! Yeah, and um, but she said that uh, that he's he's laughing again. He's got a sense of humor back. Um, I mean that must have been a dark, dark. He just got just crushed by people, but. He, He's so smart, and he articulates his point so well, and he's so reasonable. He's a reasonable guy. Yeah. You know. But, you know, bullies, nevertheless, if someone's being unfairly bullied, then we should stand up for them. Yeah. Because um, that's our job. Mm -hmm. Our job as Christians is to be that for everyone, to, to help to help the down and outers, to help people who need help. Yes. Um, Just like on the YouTube community. Like straight I, up. It's so it's – Straight up. I think yeah. honestly, if I were to say like like the most um, the, the 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 
the most godly, the most pure community that we have right now, like in this world, dare I say, it's the YouTube community. Hmm. Like that actually reflects. Um, Coming together, helping each other out, yeah, defending yeah, one like, another. Like, like what I read in the Bible and like if I were to like. That's interesting. Um, yeah. That's one of the teary yeah. moments right there. I think, I think that's real though. I think that's true. I, I think that, that that very. I don't think that people have actually said that. Right. But I think it it's true, based off of the things that I have seen in this community. It's it's like. Don't get me wrong. There's outliers. Sure. But. You know. Well, I love that. I love it. I I mean, I'm not. You know. I know very little about YouTube and the community and that kind of stuff, but yeah. that's cool. Yeah. I think that the the only caveat I would say to what I just said, Christians need to stand up for one another, is you know, everything we do should be done in love. So even when you rebuke someone, yeah, you do it in love. And uh, and that's hard. Yeah, it is. Right. It's hard to to in everything and when you defend your brother <coughs> when Especially whenever somebody is not of faith. I don't, I don't. Yeah, and we still have a responsibility, regardless, even if they completely disagree with you on everything. 2 Timothy 4 2. Shared this with my sister the other day. Is it, uh, it says in season, out season. I'm not going to, I'm going to butcher it. I really just need to just, I got to memorize these verses that are so prominent. You and me both. I'm terrible at uh, verse memorization. I meant to say that to um, Isaac and I have like we we did the podcast this morning, and I wanted to do like a challenge at the end of the video for the people who listen and for ourselves, and it was just to memorize a verse <laughs> over a course of two weeks. Nice, like, like that's it. it. I like it. But Second Timothy four two, I think it's that. Yeah, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort uh, with complete patience and teaching. Mm. Now, it wasn't until I shared it with my sister that I was like, uh, at the beginning, he says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. That right there outlines that it's not just those who are living and whenever paul is referring to the living to timothy is clearly saying those who believe yeah and those who are dead those who do not believe but he clearly says this like hey whether they believe or don't believe like preach the word right be ready in season and out of season right um reprove reprove rebuke exhort uh, to correct to warn and to encourage with complete patience and teaching which what does he s- describe love is love is patience. patience yeah that's right so right on and i think that patience is synonymous with listening but yeah that's right and it's it's hard to live that way but that's the charge yeah like love everything done in love yeah and you can defend your brother in love and you can rebuke someone in love and you have to have love for your enemies have to or those you perceive as your enemies or whatever yeah 
So even coming to their aid and defense. And I don't think you can do that by sitting in a chair. I don't think you could do it on your phone. No. So I guess I would reinstill, I would restate the comment that I made about YouTube being the most like godlike, um, biblically sound, or like the most good um, on the internet. Hmm. There you go. You know. Yeah. I I I can't attest for communities that are on the ground thriving. You know. Yeah. Uh, I can't be everywhere at once. Yeah. But from what I've seen online, it is the it's the most pure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that there are small groups of churches and Christians all throughout the world who are radically changing their little community, and no one has a clue. No one knows what they're doing. Their ministry is small, but it's powerful to the people that they interact with. Well, how much has, how many people have, has Billy Graham, like, his foundation helped? And did you hear about his story? Like, where Billy Graham heard the word? I have, but it's been a long time. Well, I, I can't, I can't tell the story myself, but... But I do know that it was like, you know, like he was at some camp or some like, yeah. you know, uh, yeah, yeah. at some friend's house or something. And it was just somebody shared with him something that was yep. true. And it, uh, that, that little um, ember turned into a blazing fire. Yep, that's right. Yeah, and I think that's, I think we need to remember that, that uh, a lot of Christian activity is totally understated. You know, and it's not being promoted, and it's not—it's uh, not a loud voice. It's quiet and it's subversive, and it's just happening everywhere. You know, little pockets of Christians are just doing, being Christians and being good people, and and they're changing their society. Yeah. You know, I—I I have the. Well, they're just—they're just the not society as a whole, but just their yeah, immediate circle. Their little pocket of influence. Yeah. You know, I have a huge privilege of being able to travel the world for my job and interact with local churches. And they're small, humble local churches in the middle of nowhere oftentimes. And they're the the vast majority of the partners that we have in local churches are just awesome. They're doing incredible things, just serving people like with reckless abandon. The poor, the widows. Yes, they're all welcome. The disabled. Absolutely. They're all welcome. And the church is is seen as oh yeah, so I'll I'll say this and then we can call it good. There's a um a lady, a brilliant lady who works uh at Go Project in Africa and her name is Rose. And Rose is from the Congo. And uh, she escaped the Congo during an ethnic uh conflict. Two tribes were were in conflict, and so is that something that happens often in the Congo? Unfortunately, it does happen fairly. It's, it's happening right now, like um, just little civil wars that break out. Yeah, and it's less civil than more like. Yeah, it's so. It, it, sometimes tribal. it's like sometimes it's tribal. Sometimes it's um, different warlords. What uh, are their weapons like? Uh. They use guns I mean, or yeah, spears there's, still? Yeah, there's guns, um, but 
I, I I don't know, but I think there's yeah there's guns, but it's also it's pretty brutal. There's a lot of machetes and Oof. you know it's uh yeah. It's well, I, I'm sure that like a gun is a uh, uh costs money a, to get it, a gun. Well, it costs some money, and it also shows a little bit of weakness. I that I can't I don't know I don't know, but um but anyway it's it's it was brutal back in like ninety nine and two thousand when she left. Uh, I think it was like a million people displaced, a few hundred thousand dead. It was atrocious. Yeah. And uh, so she left Congo and got to Uganda, the neighboring country, and arrived in Uganda. And she doesn't speak the language, um, doesn't know anyone. Somebody stuck her on a plane and said, they're coming to the university dorms to butcher everybody. I'm putting you on it. That's where she lives. She's in the universe. I'm putting you on a plane. I'm sending you to Uganda. Just get out. And uh, she arrived with nothing. Mm. Couldn't even speak the language. And so she gets, you know, a taxi. Basically, the Ugandan government had been receiving tens of thousands of refugees. And they stuck her in a taxi and said, this guy will take you wherever you want to go. Where do you want to go? And she's like, take me to the church. Yeah. And so they were like, okay. Which church? She said, well, I'm an Anglican. Take me to the closest Anglican church. So they took her to this Anglican church. She bangs on the door, and the door opens. And she's trying to explain that she's from Congo, and she's, you know. Doesn't speak the language. Doesn't speak the language. And this person looks at her for a second and just holds her hand and brings her in, closes the door, takes her through these little corridors into this back room, and she opens the door. And there's 20 young ladies all sitting around a table about ready to eat dinner who are all from the Congo that did the exact same thing and here the pastor of the church with his family are sitting to eat at this big table together and she comes in she sits down and and so when she was in trouble she knew i go to the church and when she arrived at the church they brought her in and they said oh welcome here are 20 of your sisters who also came from the congo Welcome to our family. And she lived with the pastor for the next, like, five or six years. Mm. Um, and they all did. And many of them got married, got educated, went on and had great jobs. She's one of the smartest people I know, period. Just a brilliant person. That's her story. Yeah. You know, so if you're in trouble in the United States, where do you go? Right? If you're homeless or if you get... If you, you go to the government... Go out of, you know, you've been incarcerated and you come out. You, w- whatever your situation, if you're in desperate need, where do you go? You'd hope a church. You'd hope a church. But that's and there the used case. to be a time when that was the case. Yeah. When you went to the church and you expected that. And it's less and less now. And that's a bummer. Because in the United States, we've forgotten that. Yeah. We've forgotten the purpose of the church. You go overseas to some of the developing world countries and the church is absolutely that. If you're in trouble, you go to the church, and they help. Um, they've retained that purity of the the mission of the church, and we've kind of lost that a bit. If we could rekindle that, oh man, that would be amazing. And that's the the purpose. So yeah, I think that um, yeah. Anyway, there we go. Oh, that was a great closer. I don't I don't have anything to match that. I hope that I have a story to tell that. It's not my story, but I get to tell but it. Rose. Because yeah. I know Rose, and that's she's something else. Yeah. Well, that's. Um, okay. 
I don't know how to close these things. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You're the pro. This is my first one. Wait. Has it been on me the whole time? Check mic. No, it's been on. It's it's switched. I think so. I haven't really uh, been looking too much. Which which screen am I supposed to look at? For oh this? yeah, that works. Okay, so there I am. Yeah. Yeah, we're good. Some people look at that. I don't like them to look at it. I don't like looking at myself, and I know you don't like looking at yourself. They just go like this as they talk to you. That's yeah, a really I good point. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> over here. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um. Yeah. I don't know how to. Oh yeah, I've got to take this here. This is actually the first time where like I turned the screen around to where I can in stream. Um. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Thanks for. Think that we do this on camera? Where yeah. We, we yeah, shake. We shake hands. There you go. Oh, nice secret like shake. This, Is that this, the YouTube? That. Yeah, you're proud. You're part of that. You're part of the community. Well, thanks for making the, me feel it's welcome. The, it's the it's the the Americans that pretend that they're Irish podcast crew. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's a small community. 